Hey everybody, tonight we're debating Flat Earth versus Glow Earth, and we are starting right now with Bacon's opening statement. Thanks so much for being with us, Bacon. The floor is all yours. All right, I'll share my screen now. Okay, um, hello everyone. Thanks for having me. I'll start this with the question. What would be a better way to figure out the shape of the Earth than finding people whose lives depend on it? What I'll bring as an argument has been used for more than 200 years, it impacted whole civilizations, and completely relies on knowing the shape of the Earth. I guess some of you already know what I'm talking about, that is celestial navigation. The process of figuring out where you are by observing stars, planets, the moon, and the sun. Being able to accurately spot where you are in the middle of the ocean was a game changer for marine navigation in the 1800s. It was one of the reasons why the British Empire had such dominance on the sea. And it's still used, sometimes as a backup system when GPS fails, sometimes as a hobby, and sometimes in boat races where people are only allowed to navigate the old ways. Just to be so sure, I work? think we might have lost oh, your screen no. share. Pardon my interruption. I, I think it's a, it's a blank screen, just in case if you had that on purpose, a blank slide. Oh, good. There, now we see a boat again. We're good. All right. Ready for you. Uh, okay. All right. Uh, so how does it work? Well, it's not that simple, but I'll try to simplify it as best as I can. Uh, the point in the sky directly over your head is called your zenith. If there's a celestial body at your zenith, then you happen to be standing directly below it, um, what we call the ground position of that body. If you see that body, but not at your zenith, then the ground position of that celestial body is somewhere else, but now there will be an angle between your zenith and that body. That angle is called the zenith angle. It makes sense that the further you are from the ground position of that body, the lower the body will appear in the sky and the bigger the zenith angle will be. When doing celestial navigation, we can determine how far we are from the ground position of a celestial body by simply getting the zenith angle of that body. It turns out each degree of zenith angle corresponds to 69 miles of distance over the surface, or 6 nautical miles. That is the first big problem that Flat Earth faces. Once you accept this relationship, there is no height above the surface or you could put a celestial body that could account for those angles. The geometry of it simply doesn't work on Flat Earth. For example, Flat Earth says like to show this picture when describing how navigation works, try to imply that it requires the Earth to be flat. I'll use it as an example. Say the angle measured uh, there was 23.6 degrees. According to the relationship of 69 miles per degree, that would put the ship 4,581.6 miles away from the GP of the Sun that triangle would require the sun to be 2,000 miles away from the surface. If we were to have the distance, the relationship would give us half the zenith angle. But then, that would create a triangle where the sun would have to be 3,500 miles high. It makes no sense. Uh, what about on the globe? In this case, as you get further away from the ground position, your zenith starts tilting away from it. And if the stars are as far as we think they are, in this case, much further up than my image here can show, then the zenith angle would be the same angle as the arc over the surface between you and that ground position. So each degree that the star drops means you're one degree further over the surface of the Earth. How big would that be? If the Earth was a sphere of 39.59 miles, like we always say it is, the answer is exactly what you get from navigation, 69 miles or 60 nautical miles. Okay, well, what we do with this distance? We first figure out uh, what is the ground position of that body when we measure the angle to it. 
Fortunately, there's a book called the Nautical Almanac that contains information that can be used to get the ground positions of many celestial bodies at any given second throughout the entire year. Once you do that, you have a known distance to a known location. That gives you a circle, and you know that you must be somewhere around the edge of that circle. We call that circle a circle of equal altitude. You do that for two or three bodies, and you'll be able to know uh, that you're right where all those circles intersect. But plotting those circles on the Earth requires a shape for it. You plot it on a sphere, the intersection of the circles actually match your location. Do that on something like the A-map, you'll be hundreds and often thousands of miles off. In these examples on, on the screen, the area is 800 miles, far worse than would be useful for navigation. And that's when the circles intersect, which often doesn't even happen. And if you do it with multiple circles, the intersections are vastly inconsistent. Try the same circles on a sphere, they are right on the spot. You can try other flat maps like the Mercator, the rectangular projection, pick any, they all fail. Well, maybe the Earth is flat, but we still have to figure out the correct map, right? Or maybe the relationship between angle and distance is not six nautical miles per degree, or maybe both. That could potentially solve it on flat Earth, couldn't it? Well, as much as this ad hoc hypothesis might complicate the argument, the answer is still a very big no. And that is because using a sphere is already a working method. And geometry tells us that you cannot redistribute the point of a sphere on a flat surface without distortions. That would break the circles. You can't have circles of equal altitude working both on a sphere and on a flat surface. It's simply mathematically impossible. All these problems faced by flat Earth are just really some examples of an irreconcilable fact. The celestial bodies appear to be just where they should, given that the Earth is spherical. But I'll be honest, just assuming the Earth is a sphere does not work perfectly. When very close to the horizon, the celestial bodies look slightly higher than what, they what you would expect, just like the horizon is slightly higher than what you would expect on the globe model. Fortunately, there's a well-known phenomenon that solves this tiny discrepancy. I'll leave that to Ruhif. Thank you. Thank you very much for that opening. We'll kick it over to Ruhif. Thanks very much for being with us as well. All right, I will share my screen. That one. All right, all the time in the in the servers, we hear flat earthers asking, show me the curvature. Um, you know, show us that the earth drops at inches per mile squared. Um, but I, it's my opinion that flat earthers wouldn't know what curvature looks like if it uh, bit them on the ass. So can we measure the drop due to curvature? Uh, of course we can, uh, and we do it with pretty simple geometry. Uh, so in this slide, um, imagine we are 1,700 feet away from a building, uh, and we know that building is 650 feet tall, uh, and we're a six-foot observer. Uh, we can do some pretty simple trigonometry to predict the angle that we will measure above the horizontal. Uh, and for those of you that have passed you know, year eight geometry, the geometry is on the screen, uh, the angle that we predict uh, is about 21 degrees, and if we go into reality and measure that angle, it will match. All right, so similarly, uh, we can do simple trigonometry to work out uh, the elevation angle between two distant mountains. So I've chosen two mountains, and the, the difference in height between them is 1,400 feet, uh, and the distance between them is 35 miles. Uh, so we do the same trigonometry uh, and work out an expected angle on a flat Earth, uh, of 0 0.434 degrees. 
All right. However, if the Earth is a globe, then obviously the mountain in the distance will drop uh, at eight inches per mile squared. Uh, so over that drop, over that uh, distance of thirty-five miles, the drop is equal to eight hundred and seventeen feet. Uh, so instead of being fourteen hundred feet higher, uh, the distant mountain is only five hundred and eighty-three feet higher. So we change our geometry a little bit uh, and do the same trigonometry. Uh, and we come up with an expected angle of 0 0.181 degrees. All right, so we've got two, uh, two predictions for what we should measure uh, on a flat Earth versus a globe. All right, but as Bacon said, what about refraction? Uh, so contrary to what most flat Earthers believe, uh, the refraction we incorporate into a globe prediction is not just a, a fudge factor that we add in uh, to make it work on a globe. Um, and refraction must be taken into account in all observations, uh, basically because there is a, a measurable density gradient in our atmosphere that causes light to bend. So if you, um, if you make a prediction without refraction, then you're most likely making a straw man. All right, so how much refraction should we account for? Um, the, data I have that's, the, the data I have says that if you are very close to the surface, uh, there's usually a lot of heat exchange between the surface and the air just above it and that results in an extremely variable density gradient and therefore uh, variable, high, highly variable refraction. However, uh, once you are a decent height above the surface, um, the data suggests about 100 metres or thereabouts, um, then the density gradient does not deviate significantly from the average. Uh, and it is this average gradient that we incorporate into the curve calculators, uh, and that's where the infamous 7 over 6R comes from. All right, so our, our atmosphere is structured in such a way where the, the more dense layer is at the surface and gets less dense generally as you go up. Uh, and obviously, according to Snell's law, light bends towards the denser medium. Uh, so in a, in a typical atmosphere like that, the, the light will curve downwards. All right, and when light curves downwards, you can see in this diagram that the apparent position of the object will be higher than it actually is using straight lines of light. All right, so let's test our geometry out in the real world. Uh, so that's actually me uh, over in California on top of the uh, Californian aqueduct. Uh, I took a theodolite up there and measured heaps of angles to heaps of different mountains. Uh, the one on screen uh, is called Saddleback Butte South. Uh, it's 1,102 metres tall, and it was about 32 kilometres away. All right, so what's my prediction? What should I measure if the Earth is a globe? All right, so the elevation is different between me and the mountain by 201 metres. But if the Earth's a globe, then we need to account for the drop. And over that 32 kilometres, oh, apologies for using metric here after having used uh, freedom units prior to that. So over 32 kilometres, there, there would be 81 metres of drop uh, if we ignored refraction. Uh, but if we account for refraction, uh, then there's only 69.85 metres of drop. So again, we do that very simple trigonometry to get a prediction for what we should measure if the Earth is a globe, uh, and that is a prediction of 0 0.233 degrees. What is my measurement? What did I actually measure with the theodolite? So you can see the, the top part of the screen there says vertical angle, 89 degrees, 46 minutes and zero seconds. Uh, these are measured from vertical, so it's a zenith angle. So it's actually a 14-minute uh, elevation angle, and that equals 0 0.233 degrees. So my prediction 
was spot on to the, uh, the measurement that I made. So I'm going to say that's drop measured. In the last 20 seconds or so, uh, just quickly, the globe made a precise prediction that was confirmed in reality. Flat earthers can't do that. Uh, obviously, I took a, a truckload of measurements. Yes, I have the empirical data to back up my claims. But the question for the flat earth is, what should the angle be if the earth is flat? And do you have the skills to make it? If not, if you don't have those skills, then on what basis can you claim that that measurement is consistent with the earth being flat? Thank you. Thank you very much for that opening statement. And <clears throat> let me just take it out of screen share yep, here. Screen share. Boom. Here we go. Want to say, folks, if it's your first time here at Modern Day Debate, want to say we hope you feel welcome no matter what walk of life you are from, whether you fl are flat earth, globe earth, banana shaped earth, you name it, we're glad that you're with us. And we are very excited. As you can see at the bottom right of our screen, DebateCon 3.1 by Modern Day Debate. Our conference is going to be, as you can see at the bottom right of your screen, on Saturday, April 22nd in Fort Worth, Texas. You don't want to miss this one. There are tickets to watch it in person down in the description box, as well as the GoFundMe. If you put in a buck, that helps us cover the cost of the venue for this event, and you get to watch all the debates for the whole conference for just a buck. So with that, we're going to go into the opening statement from the Flat Earth side. Thanks so much for being with us. Nathan and Brian, the floor is all yours. Take it, Nathan. All right. Hey, folks, if you don't know who I am, my name is Nathan Thompson. I used to run the official Flat Earth and Globe discussion. When we were deleted by Facebook, we had allegedly 155,000 members. We did not allow cursing or insults at all. We had 100 moderators from all over the Flat Earth, and the group still got deleted. Shortly after, my Instagram was deleted. Shortly after that, my YouTube was deleted. I've been kicked off Skype, Venmo. My Yahoo account was erased. Now, you got to ask yourself, if Flat Earth is so stupid, why are they censoring it? Why does YouTube go in front of Congress and say, we're censoring topics like Flat Earth? So truth is incontrovertible. Malice may attack it. Ignorance may deride it. But in the end, there it is. And you can lead a globe earther to flat water, but you cannot make them think critically about the shape of the Earth. Fluid static state, when a large body of water is at rest, the surface is level and horizontal to its container, and the sky is a map and a clock. i surprised they would try and use celestial navigation to prove we're on a spinning ball in space with all the heavenly objects gravitating toward one another from an explosion of nothing. I mean, that's your religion, guys, and you're over here saying... The sky is a perfect map and a clock, and we use it to navigate the oceans. You use triangulation, which uses a triangle, which has straight, flat sides. And you're trying to tell us the Earth's a, a globe with triangulation using straight lines? Are you guys joking? Okay? You can't demonstrate water adhering to the outside of a spinning ball. You can't demonstrate a gravitational orbit at all using the scientific method. You can't demonstrate gas pressure next to a vacuum without a container. You guys really have nothing, to be honest. And the problem with celestial navigation on a ball in space orbiting the sun is that every six months, we're on the other side of the sun. We should see a completely different night sky, but year round, we see things like the Big Dipper, Orion's Belt, the Little Dipper, and contrary to the Globe Earth claims, 
Those are all fixed constellations. I mean, you guys think celestial navigation proved you're on a globe. When they came up with celestial navigation, they didn't even think the earth was a globe. For example, the Mayans had built a pyramid, El Castillo, in the Yucatan Peninsula. And it was between the 9th and 12th century. And the structure can be used as a calendar and is noted for astronomical alignments. For 1,200 years, this pyramid's been lining up to the sky. Now, the pyramids in Egypt do that. Stonehenge, which was recently torn down, did that. I did the astroarchaeology myself and took the evidence myself. I went there, took a time lapse of Polaris through a hole that was drilled 40 years ago, and it's still there. Polaris means pole star. You don't get a pole star on a globe Earth tilted, wobbling, orbiting around the sun that's flying through the Milky Way galaxy at 1.3 million miles an hour. That's ludicrous. So uh, hopefully you can demonstrate the three things I, I mentioned earlier. Uh, one of the problems you forgot in your opening is that mountains and objects change angular size as they get farther away from you. So when you stand on a really long hallway, the ceiling, which is above your head, will appear to drop down towards eye level. It's called perspective. I mean, we've been doing this for eight years, and Glober still haven't figured out the perspective thing. How pathetic. Uh, my, I know my teammate needed a little extra time, so I'm going to cut it short. I'm not even going to go into my slides, not even going into my presentation. We see way too far. You can't demonstrate gas pressure next to a vacuum without a container. Go look at the NASA bloopers. There's hundreds of videos of them with CGI, wires, green screen, harnesses, augmented reality, people ghosting in and out of screen. I mean, and you can test it yourself. This is the good news, ladies and gentlemen. It's 2023. We have high power zoom cameras and telescopes that you don't have to point up at the sky. You could point them horizontally over large bodies of water. I've done this at Lake Michigan, Lake Pontchartrain, the Atlantic Sea, the Pacific Ocean, the Atlantic Ocean, pardon me. Um, all over Utah. I, I went to South Korea and did long distance observations and spoke at a conference there. The earth is not a globe. I don't want the earth to be flat either. I would actually prefer if it was a globe, it'd just be one less thing the government mind control organization would be lying about, to be honest. And NASA wouldn't be stealing $60 million a day of your money. So uh, if you could go ahead, Brian, take it away. Uh, sorry if I took a a little extra time there. No, man. Good job. And um, if, Rue, if you could start that slideshow, I would appreciate it. Okay, I got a lot of information to cram in here. So this, this is all the things that uh, they say is... Uh, Hang on. Tell me when to press play. Go ahead. All the all things right, are play. impossible on a, uh, on a globe. When you really look into it... it I mean, on a flat earth, they, you look into it, they're impossible on a globe. I I did this personally. I videoed it. There's the moon well over the horizon. There's the sun peeking its head up over the cloud. They said that uh, uh, eclipse is how can that work on a flat earth? Well, how could the moon be eclipsed by the earth if the sun and the moon are above the horizon? I did that about a month ago. And uh, so, so that debunked a globe. Okay, there's the sun peeking up over the cloud. That are up on the horizon. They say sunrise equinox due east works for everybody. Look, yeah, on a cylinder, but once we change orientation, let's 
let's check and see how good that worked on Google Earth. Wah, 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 converges at the equator. So your Dewey straight line, your geodesic straight line of sight converges 6,000 miles away. Granted, it's up in the air some, but that doesn't change the fact it's a straight line. Here's our buddy Mitchell from Australia. He took a compass, did it live at Equinox, and showed that it wasn't due east. In fact, it was 11 degrees north of due east, which would help explain a platter. Okay, and shout out to Mitchell from Australia. So the sunrise in Australia, they, they said, well, magnetic declination. That's why it was off. So we marked magnetic north, how it's listed, and we traced it down to Sydney. What do you know? It lines up perfect. So what are they just declinating to whatever they want? Because there's no magnetic declination there. So we could try it to the south magnetic pole. That's even worse. That's even worse. So magnetic declination is a fix-all. So they say the globe is tilted. So there's east. East converges at the equator. But west also converges at the equator. So you can just draw arrows wherever you want, and that's fine. So here it is to Kenya. I'm at Cancer at the 80th meridian, and you got to travel north to go south to the equator. You got to travel slightly north. So I, I travel up ha halfway, and you still got to travel north to go south to Kenya. So I go south of the equator, and you still have to travel north to get to Kenya. So Kenya's north of everywhere until you get to the bottom of the globe. Then all of a sudden, you got to go south to get to Kenya. Now, so let's try and come into Kenya from the west. Now, all of a sudden, we're coming in south to get to Kenya. And then from south of the equator, we're north to get to Kenya. So there's all the ways to get to Kenya from east and west. I didn't line up Kenya. They say that uh, underlit clouds prove a globe until you do the math. And, uh, you know, shout out to um, to Ph.D. Tony. Why didn't he show this this whole film? Why is it clipped off at the left? Why didn't he show this whole picture? And why didn't he do the math? And, and during his humiliation last night, good job, boss. Because look, shows diverging clouds. He wouldn't want anybody to see them diverging clouds, would he? Also, if you do the trigonometry with the sun above the horizon, one degree from a tangent from our feet, that puts the that puts the sun one million six hundred thousand miles above our feet. There is the math in the calculator. Okay. And so there is the sun above the horizon. Okay. In reality, the mountain peaks are above and it's converging, diverging toward us. It's perspective. But there's a sun well above the horizon shining at the bottom of clouds. That alone debunked the globe. Uh, what first seemed like a globe proof. Look at the underlit clouds. That sun is well above the horizon. All right, now the Milky Way. We see looking south, southwest, we see the, the bowl part of the Milky Way. I call it the dome Milky Way. We see it every time we look southwest. And so like the Big Dipper, we should see it in every orientation. So on the other side of the globe, we should see the bowl Milky Way, like we see the Big Dipper upside down. But that's as much as we get right there in reality is we get it flat. So perspective is obviously a factor in celestial navigation. And our good buddy Mark the other night showed, look at the parallel lines. See the parallel lines he's representing as the stars, then changing orientation to show a different view. Well, that, that's all fine and dandy until you dive in deeper. Well, we simultaneously see different orientation. We see the stars move in different directions simultaneously from one position. And if you think it's just perspective, look, there's the Astronomical Society saying that if you point your camera west, you see three different paths. 
just like we do with the sun from one location, just like we do with the moon from one location simultaneously. We can see the stars all at once. This is refraction, okay? We just open the garage door, letting cold air. Look at the bottom right, white light. See it disappear? Now you'll see the green light at the bottom next to it disappear just with a little cold air. Disappears right in front of our face. And what do they give us? They give us sugar water. And even then, look at our line of sight. Look, where's the bottom of the city with line of sight? Disappeared. So there, there's your diodolite. Even if the crosshairs were that green laser, they would appear higher up the city skyline and your sugar water. So even if light's refracting down, it's not making things appear higher. So I wanted to test the radius. So I said, let's see how it works on a flat earth. I put in 69 miles and changed it one degree just to see. And what do you know? 3958.7, the exact globe radius. So there it is on the flat earth. Now Not you want to know where 30 more <laughs> seconds, Brian. I can give you a little extra time, but yeah, I've got to. Thank you. Okay, and uh, so there, I tried uh, double that, 138.2 is at exactly two degrees. So let's see how far out it works. So we went out as far as uh, 20 degrees, and uh, we put in 1,382 miles. And what do you know, 70 degrees we got. It doesn't deviate by one degree until you get over 1,500 miles. So them are distances over ocean that wouldn't be apparent until we got down in the southern oceans and what do you know the lowest star we can navigate and with and two degrees can you give me 30 seconds please i can give you 15 15 man okay unless your All opponents right, want to grant it otherwise i i do want to stick to the rules almost over man um okay okay well there's the mctune challenge so i come up with uh he said i used the radius of earth when i showed him that it was triangulation but i didn't meet all the technology i ain't saying he owes me but He's saying Flatter couldn't navigate. We three of us uh, told him his location to a pinpoint. He didn't pay up on technicalities, and which is time. Wait, one last thing, James. Here's Brian. No. And Here I go. So, Brian, I, I have to keep to the rules, especially when oh, seven you minutes, but, up but that's so fine. late. Brian, listen, we're not going to make fun of MC Toon when he's not here I'll to defend himself. Up, you know better than that. All right, I'm stopping There's your screen share, and you're gonna like yes. it. All right, we are going to go into the open dialogue. Want to say, folks, whether you be Flat Earth, Globe Earth, we're glad you're here. And want to also say this. We hope MC Tune is well. Pardon Brian's faux pas with that. <laughs> Fortunately, I don't think they could see it because I changed the screen. But this, uh, this beautiful close-up of MC Tune's face, he's a tremendously handsome fellow. We want to say we hope you're doing well, MC Tune. And like I said, Brian, we got to... I don't want him to not be able to, I don't like it when people aren't here to be able to defend themselves. I let you get away with the PhD Tony one because it was quick and off the cuff, but I can't let you get any more, get away with any more than that. want to say, folks, we are absolutely thrilled. If you look at the bottom right of your screen, RN Raw versus T-Jump, you don't want to miss it. This is going to be a huge debate. It's one of the debates at the conference. So if you haven't yet, hit that subscribe button. And we're going to go right into open dialogue. Thank you very much, gentlemen. The floor is all yours. Real quick, uh, that was nothing personal against MC Tune. That was clipped from your uh, his debate against Ryan. That was nothing personal. I was just going to bring up the last point that uh, he put out a challenge for Flat Earthers. And we three of us completed the challenge. But we, he, we didn't follow all the rules. But... Uh, uh, so, but um, that was him, um, and he was mad. He was drilling Ryan. So shout out to Ryan if you're watching. Um, come to um, back here or, or Earth Awakenings on Discord uh, because um, he's claimed that all triangles measure up to more than 180. 
And uh, I, the very last thing on my slideshow was that uh, there are several triangles that measured less than 180. So he was drilling you, and he was mad, and that's what I was trying to get across. And he was uh, wrong. All the triangles do not add up to more than 180. Thank you, James. Sorry. Also in that debate with Ryan, he said eight inches per mile squared was not his formula. That was a straw man. You can go back, watch the debate. He said that. And then a week later, he emailed me. Gentlemen, I've got to tell you, you're, you have Bacon and Ruhif are here to debate you just to be sure that we're on track. Yeah, sure this they... has to do with Bacon and Ruhif because Bacon says, or Ruhif says, I, that it's sure. eight inches. Okay, gotcha. Go ahead. <laughs> No, he said it's eight inches per mile squared, but McToon says it's not eight, eight inches per mile squared. That's a straw man. So the Globers need to get together their little cult of pseudoscience and figure out, is the Earth curving eight inches per mile squared, just like the Earth curve calculator says on the website, or is it not curving eight inches per mile squared? So I appreciate the interlocutors at least coming with some numbers. McToon Let's kick it over to Bacon and Ruhif. Yep. I'll go first for a really quick uh, thing. Brian says that he completed MC Toon's challenge on celestial navigation. Brian, on what map did you draw your circles of equal altitude? Google Earth. Okay, that's a sphere. <laughs> yeah, Google Earth has zero account for drop, Einstein. Zero okay. account you, for drop. Okay, Nathan, I'll give you that. I'll give that. But it is okay. a two-dimensional. A two a two-dimensional sphere, though. We'll, we'll say it's it's on a screen, maybe. Also, but when you spin Google model. Earth around 360 degrees, you don't end up on the same place where you started. So it's not a anyway. ball. It was developed by the CIA. Yep. It was a subsidiary company called Keynote or, or Key. It's in here. Check it out. The Greatest Lie on Earth by Edward Hendry. But yeah, it was developed by the CIA. Google Earth shows zero account of drop for Earth curve at all whatsoever. It's a cartoon. Okay, would, you, would you like me to address the eight inches per mile squared? Yep. Uh, that's what the curve is. So I don't, yes, I don't need to I address it. I can do the math too. A squared plus B squared equals C squared. I don't need you to teach me the globe earth model. I know it better than you. Um, I guarantee that you don't. But anyway, eight inches per mile squared is the amount of drop from horizontal. What MC Turner is talking about is applying uh, or, or sort of applying an observer height to that to say what is the hidden amount on the other side. They are different equations. No, he said MC eight inches per mile squared is a straw man. Go back and MC Toon acknowledges that drop from horizontal is eight inches per mile squared. Would you like to bet a thousand dollars on it live? Go back and watch the debate. He said Ryan is straw manning me. Yeah, it's probably saying that you're not using the right formula to work we out how much is for observer height. We were just stating what the drop is on a globe Earth. Yeah, eight and inches per mile squared. Which just coincidentally happens to be 0.666 feet per mile squared. When the Illuminati tilt of the earth, earth 66.6 degrees, the speed around the sun is 66,600 miles an hour. The diameter of the moon is six times six times 60. The circumference yeah. of the earth is six times six times 600. You right, think I'm going to change my background again. Hey, uh, funny. hey, in behalf of MC Toon, that's all a coincidence? none of us, I'm, I'm not claiming he owes me money and shout out to MC Toon. I'm not trying to, uh, you know, I got plenty of, uh, arguments to throw against him and reaming with them, but, uh, Personally, you know, we're good. We we have a history, and uh, and there were technicalities. It was a strict uh, challenge. I'm not saying he owes me money or anybody else, but he threw that challenge out there to, to like flat earthers couldn't uh, get a location. I wanted to ask Bacon. He said that it doesn't work on a Mercator map or or AE map. So what map did they use? I'm just wondering. Did did all the sailors bring a globe out there to see in the past? Didn't he claim, or was I hearing wrong? Didn't he claim that uh? 
it, it, the cell nav doesn't work on any map. I'm not sure I heard him right. Yeah, that's right. What they did, what they usually do is you use plotting sheets. On those plotting sheets, they draw sections of the lines of circles of equal altitude. But when plotting them, they have to adjust for, for example, the length of a longitude. And the length of a longitude, as navigators use, gets smaller as you go north of the equator and south of the equator. That ends up turning the Earth into a sphere again. So sure. even what they use, like uh, even the, the way they do on paper, plotting it, they're still treating the Earth as a sphere. Okay, so like so like take a gyro compass or or nav or whatever. So basically, if we're near the North Pole, we have to correct north. We we do a circle. So if we head east, we got to start correcting north. As we work our way down to the equator, we got to start correcting a little bit less and less north. Um, and then we get to the equator, and we don't have to correct at all. But then we get south of the equator, and we have to start correcting north again. That's uh, I mean, why don't they correct south in the southern hemisphere? Why is everything, all the declination, all the corrections, how is it all done north? Is it possible because everything's going around Polaris? Is that even possible? Uh, I'm not sure what correction you're referring to, because like as far as I understand on navigation, I mean, I'm not a sailor. I'm not that experienced in the, in sailing. But I do know sure. the process of getting the fix. You're not uh, a sailor. So as far as you're not experienced in sailing, but your whole intro was celestial navigation done by sailors. Bacon. Yeah, but the have, process. Have I done? Yeah, yeah both the of us. Itself. Okay, and they both use of us have done the process. They use triangulation, right? Bacon. Trilateration. No, it's called trilateration. Triangulation is. Yeah, triangulation is when you have known points and angles, and then you work out. You complete a triangle like that, okay. but in navigation, you don't have angles, you have distances. Those didn't angles you, you measure are actually distances. Didn't you try and That's use trilateration to determine distance to the sun on a flat earth in your intro? Distance to the sun. That doesn't make any sense. Trilateration requires distances. You don't determine distances with trilateration. In, you your intro, with triangulation. in your intro, you said it wouldn't work on a flat earth, and then you did some triangles to the sun and said the sun would have to be this far, right? Didn't you do that mm -hmm. in your intro? Yep, that's right. Okay, great. And then two minutes later, your partner talked about how refraction causes us not to see things where they actually are, but where they appear, right? Do you, do you remember that? Like two minutes after you're done talking, how your partner sure. talked about, okay, so you tried to use the not actual location of the sun to determine its actual distance on a flat earth that you don't believe in. <laughs> well, the, Are you serious, Are you serious? Can I ask yes, Rupert Clay? Yeah, Clay? Altitude. Oh, let, let, the apparent altitude. Can they respond to that, Brian? From, the apparent altitude varies from the actual altitude by a fraction of a degree, as I already mentioned before. And that's actually accounted for uh, using, if you go to the nautical almanacs that I mentioned before, there are charts specifically for the correction of refraction, both using standard refraction, which is the average conditions, and if you have uh, like measurements of temperature and pressure too. So you can account for that. That's not a problem. Did you account for it in your intro? Oh, I explained in the last that would let that for Ruif because his presentation was about refraction, uh, was more related to refraction than mine was. I know, but when you calculated distance to the sun on a flat Earth, did you account for refraction? Yes or no? No, that calculation no. didn't use it. No, you didn't. Yeah, okay. So, I'm, yeah, but I'm like, like to ask uh, a quick, can I just respond? Yeah, I'll respond. Yeah, right, well. 
RS-1 and IP right. as well. They, if you would incorporate a fraction there, oh, sorry. Yeah, if you would incorporate a fraction there, there'll be a fraction of a, of a degree of difference. And that's far near like what's necessary to account for that discrepancy in the height of the sun. That's not a solution. That's just something that makes a slight difference. But go ahead, Ruth. Well, yeah. all right. Let's, there's, there's let's, a... Really do navigation to anything under thirty degrees anyway, and uh, but I wanted to ask uh, Rui if Rui respond to Nathan first. I'm sorry. I was going to respond to Nathan first. Like Bacon said, there there is a table in the almanac that shows you how much you need to uh, account for refraction based on the elevation angle. They are tiny, tiny adjustments, right? So, like Bacon said, his his uh, triangle uh, solving showing the height of the sun is not going to make much difference if you account for refraction. Right. So I love equation Second. to work out uh, with flat triangles as well. But um, anyway, you showed the California aqueduct yeah. and uh, you were filling the mountains. Um, if you'd have turned around and, um, and filmed the actual aqueduct, you'd have seen that, and flat earthers have done this with the otolite. I'm sure you're familiar with it. They showed that, you know what, the aqueduct does seem to follow earth curve. We were surprised until he went down and measured the water because the water didn't care about the construction of the aqueduct and it dropped down. It dropped down. So as the aqueduct was dropping, the water remained level. It remained level and it did not maintain the same elevation after a couple of miles. So you should have pointed your instrument while you're right there to the aqueduct. You'd have seen that water doesn't care about your model. It remains level and flat. Good. All right, just, just to quickly go back to Nathan for a second. You're correct. Neither Bacon or I are sailors, right? But we have both done celestial navigation. In fact, I took angles from my house and Bacon doxed me with them, right? Not actually doxed me, but he knows where I live based on the angles that I gave him. I've, you know, figured out observer locations from from uh, angles that people have given me. So I'm asking you, Nathan, have you ever done celestial navigation? No, I haven't. It wasn't my proof. Okay. That's all I needed to know. It wasn't my intro. But I have done astroarchaeology, where you line up giant megalithic structures to the sky, which is a map and a clock. Doesn't change. Gravity's not pulling everything in the sky towards each other, which is expanding from an infinitesimal dot of nothing. Okay? That's ridiculous. The sky is a map and a clock. Will you admit we have constellations? Okay. Sure. So, yes, so, yeah. we have constellations. We have and constellations. Right. So the stars are fixed in the night sky. Do you realize that no. debunks your entire model? They're not fixed. Okay, Rude. if they're not fixed, they wouldn't be constellations, Einstein. They have, stars have Can proper motion, which is an actual movement in relation to other stars. They have Thank proper you. motion, which means measured. Lars, just said something. And all the stars rotate east to west, but they are fixed Bacon? relative yeah. to one another. No, they're not. Yeah. You just it said we have constellations. Now you're saying we don't have constellations. Everything's changed. I changing. didn't say that. And I said decide. stars. I said stars have very small proper motion in that they do move in relation to other stars. So the constellations are approximately the same as they were a few thousand years ago. But I think Bacon's about to talk about Polaris. Is that correct? No, I was just going to mention that the book in which I mentioned in my presentation that gives you accurately words the location of each individual star. We haven't those nautical almanacs from hundreds of years in the past. And you can check the position of the stars in those very old books, and check you can compare them what, to Bacon. what we have nowadays, and check they don't match. Like, stars are not Ryan, we have to give them a chance to respond. I got a... Oh, yeah, sorry. 
You but read a check- book? No, okay. Nathan you, and Brian, just be sure. Hold on, Nathan, shut up for a second. Bacon, did you for sure get to finish your point? Well, I was just going to repeat the last sentence. We, ha- we have all those stars position documented in the almanacs for centuries, and we can compare them and see that they are actually changing uh, gradually over the years. What are you checking them against, Bacon? The measurements over the years. What measurements? People Not measure the stars. Taken, Brian, because they were hundreds right. of years ago. They have to believe right. their globe scriptures, just like it's the Book of Mormon says the stars are changing around. We have the book, yeah. okay? The book's right here. It says it. But you okay. haven't well, verified any of that, and you have a problem with that also. As I mentioned in my opener, there are megalithic structures that since 9th and 12th century have lined up to the sky and still do to this day. And my, these people are over here saying the entire sky is changing They've built pyramids. The Mayans, contrary to what you might think, thought the earth was a flat earth. Okay, here we go. Thoughtco.com. The Mayans believed the earth was the center of all things, fixed and immovable. The Mayan are known for astronomy and mathematics, most notably their famous calculations for the length of a year. I was surprised to learn that they supported a flat earth model. Okay, so... None of these ancient civilizations that developed astroarchaeology or celestial navigation even thought the Earth was a globe or believed in gravity. That wasn't invented until 1666. There's the 666, ladies and gentlemen. Check it. Check your gloves. That's my only point is you're using the model to prove your model. When I said checking against what, you're checking against globe distances, saying, look, look, it matches globe distances. When I'm calculated as a globe, therefore a globe. I mean, that's... No, Tycho Brahe measured hundreds of stars centuries ago. These are just measurements that people have made of the stars showing that they have moved over hundreds of years. I'm good with that. I'm not disputing the star measurements. I'm saying what you're comparing them to. What are you checking them to in reference? A globe. So if you're calculating it as a globe and then cross-checking it against a globe, of course it's going to match. That's you using your model to prove your model. They're it's not a good matching. Oh, for, for that. They're changing. They're not matching. They're changing over the course of hundreds of years. Are they? So how, are why did they tear down the Georgia Guidestones where that a little pinhole you could see Polaris non-moving until they did tear it down? Because if they'd have left it up, because it's supposed to move a third of a degree every 33 three, years. Three quarters years. of a degree. The, the declination of, of Polaris is uh, 89.25 degrees, right? So there is three quarters of a degree of rotation every night. Right in that hole. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Move? Years when they built right. it how much? Years ago. How much? <laughs> what What is the angular size? What, what angle of the sky does that guidestone allow you to see? It must be at least one and a half degrees. It's one and a half. And I don't know. To be honest, yeah. I don't not know. But I know. I know there's a hole that you could see Polaris and no other stars. So yeah. wouldn't it? I mean, wouldn't it, how long do you think it would take to move out of that hole? How long would well, it take? I, I think in, uh, was it 1600? I think Polaris was like 87 and a half degrees declination, something like that. So, so there must have been a southern pole star at some point. Why, why don't we hear about that? There, there is a southern pole star, but it's too faint to see with your naked eye. There is, okay. but there isn't, Brian. Yeah, right. What do you mean there is, but there isn't? <laughs> okay, I got three quick questions. Well, sorry, no, sorry, say that again. There, there is, but there isn't. What do you mean That's by that? That's what you just said. So why don't no, you I said there is one, but you can't see it with your oh, naked eye. Oh, there is, but you can't. You can't see it. Okay. No, you can't see it with your naked eye. Have Have you heard of a telescope, Nathan? Have you heard of those? Yes. I used yes. it to debunk your globe at Lake Pontchartrain and Lake Michigan. Okay. 
So you have heard of telescopes. So you can see it with a telescope if you increase One last your exposure. Question, quick. Would you agree yeah. that uh, we could see the, the, um, the Big Dipper in every orientation somewhere on Earth? Uh, we could see it in every orientation depending on where we're at on the North Pole. But uh, why can't we see that with the, uh, with the dome part of the uh, Milky Way? How come it's always domed or flat? Shouldn't it be the same as the no Dipper looking west? I have no idea. I, I couldn't pick out a constellation in the sky to save yourself. But if we're on the other side the of the South Pole, it should appear upside down like the Big Dipper does, right? Should the Big Dipper appear upside down between me and you? Yes. Yeah. Big Dipper 100% does. But I'm saying, why wouldn't the Milky Way follow suit? If, why it? wouldn't we bowl if we're on the other side of Antarctica? Well, I think you'd need to, to make a little presentation Antarctica. on that. Maybe Antarctica is different than uh, maybe the South is different than the North. Uh, I think you need to make a presentation on that one because I, I don't even know the declination of the Big right. Dipper or, or anything about them. A little bit more information. We can easily put that on, on Blender, position the observers, yeah. and see what we expect to see on the globe and compare that to okay. uh, what the claim is and see if that matches or not. Does the night so sky far, I, I don't think there's enough information. Does night sky change every six months because we're on a completely other side of the sun? Yes or no? Uh, it changes in what sense? Like, uh, Okay, if you're on, let's say, January, your nighttime would be facing one direction. Six months later, you'd be on the other side of the sun. Nighttime would be facing completely opposite, 180 degree turn, opposite direction. Yeah. You follow me so far? Yeah. The, okay, the equatorial. explain why we see the Big Dipper and Orion's belt year round. What's the declination of it? The belt is. Did, a, did you not place? hear what I just said? Okay, let me repeat. Zero. If you're on a ball regardless of the declination of any of the stars and you're orbiting the sun six months later you would be on a completely different side of the sun staring at a completely different night sky and your question to me is what was the declination of the stars yeah, are you can I try to explain why that's wrong? <laughs> yeah if i can right this is good so, and we've, we've got a lecture nathan on what declination is first yeah go back in Right. So let's say zero. The earth is here already. Zero. Sorry, go ahead. And north is in that direction. So uh, the geographical north is pointing that direction. So Polaris would be there. Right? Um, if the Earth was here, uh, we see, we can see Polaris, right? But the sun is in that direction. Uh, it would be close to the horizon, but Polaris is in, within that direction. If we move all the way up to the other side, because Polaris is in that direction, perpendicular to this motion, then we can still see Polaris. The problem hey, nobody was talking about right. Polaris. Hey, Nathan, nobody. we do have to give him a chance to actually finish his case. Talking to himself. Nobody was talking about Polaris. Nathan, we do have to actually give him a chance to finish his argument. Yeah, it's just an example. Now, now I'm going to give an example of a star at the celestial equator. So if you have a star at the celestial equator and it's right overhead, six months when the Earth is in the other side, at the same time of day, you'll be pointing in the opposite direction. So you wouldn't be able to see that star six months later. But in the case of Polaris, for example, you can. What is the difference? The declination. That's why the declination is relevant. I got a video of uh, Polaris or the belt of Orion, which is zero declination. It's right over the celestial equator, um, being visible almost 10 months. Uh, I show their picture today, and every month it's visible, and it's uh, it's only invisible like two and a half, maybe three uh, months out of the year. So Nathan's right. 
that that does uh, raise a really good question. Yeah, then they would have to account for it in their celestial navigation almanacs, but nowhere in their celestial navigation almanacs does it say, hey, when we're on this side of the sun, these are what stars you're going to see. And when we're on this side of the sun, these are what stars you're going to see. We always see the same stars. Polaris is always fixed. They've been using these to navigate for hundreds and thousands of years. Guys, on a ball in space, following the sun, 1.3 million miles an hour, everything's not fixed in the sky. We wouldn't have constellations. We wouldn't have celestial navigation. So, I just have to ask again, again, have you done celestial navigation? No, I've done astroarchaeology. Have you done okay. any observations of the sky? Yeah. Okay, and what does the sky prove about the floor? Is this a flat earth and globe yeah. debate? Are we going to just rant about the sky? Can you demonstrate, for example, water adhering to the outside of a spinning ball? This is your I, religion, could show you, I could show you the blue model, sure. This is your religion. Guy. Oh, I don't want to see NASA. The blue blue marble was made by Robert Simmons. He said it. No, in no, no. The actual blue marble. Robert Simmons is an artist for NASA. He's famous, credited for developing the blue marble. And he said he started with a blank circle. They gave him scans of the earth and he had to make shadows and highlights to make it look like a ball. I understand. Right, I'm talking about the photo that was taken from Apollo back to. Okay, Earth. so you can't demonstrate water sticking to a spinning ball. I, I just said I could show you the photo from Apollo. Show me something NASA gave you, but you can't demonstrate. <laughs> so there you go. Dismiss anything and everything, Nathan. Dismiss and anything and everything. I didn't dismiss it's a photo. I'm just asking. You you. Oh, it's a photo. So you don't have yeah. a demonstration. You have a photo of the demonstration. No, a demonstration of water sticking to a ball. And how am I supposed to do that on Earth? Oh, so are you admitting you can't do it? I can't, I can't on Earth. There's a, a okay, huge rotational thing so to the ground on Earth. Hold on, Nathan, just to be sure that we hear, as he's answering, <laughs> I've got to, we have to make sure that you can actually hear him because sometimes you're speaking over him as he's answering your own questions. Can you or can you not demonstrate it? Not on Earth. Not on Earth. All right, great. All right. How about on Earth, can you demonstrate yeah. a vacuum next to a pressurized, with a pressurized system? On Earth. Yeah, we, we have it. The atmosphere. We have a pressure gradient that goes to zero. No, we have there's, a there's your demonstration. Your demonstration's oh, okay. outside. Where did you measure the atmosphere going to zero? If oh, you want I'll to show you uh, Dwayne, Dwayne Kellum's uh, balloon launch going up to, I think it was 0 0.03 PSI. Oh, okay, so not zero, 0 0.03. Yeah. So still do, gas pressure. Do you understand? Do you understand so there's, no, do you understand you, there's no such thing as a perfect vacuum, Nathan? Okay, but can you demonstrate? I didn't ask for proof of a perfect vacuum. Listen closely. There is no such thing as a perfect vacuum. You're interrupting me. Okay. My apologies. My sincere apologies, right. Nathan. Listen closely. Okay. I'll talk slowly so you can get this one. Can you demonstrate gas pressure next to a vacuum without a container, without presupposing the Ursa ball in space, which is what you're trying to prove? Can you say that a bit slower? Sorry. Yeah, no problem. Wait, it a take, bit slower. So, yeah. Let me take no, the, Can you answer the question? The, all right. The yeah. existence of a pressure gradient means that we don't need a container. It's just your I assertion that we need a container. Well, you can't demonstrate gas pressure next to a vacuum. Real quick, I'm almost outside. Done. You can have the outside. Rest of the outside. Outside. The, the atmosphere. So, can't demonstrate water sticking to a spinning ball. Can't demonstrate gas pressure next. Can you demonstrate a gravitational orbit here on Earth? I can show you observations that are consistent with an orbit, yes. Okay, observation's the first step of the scientific method. Can you walk me through a gravitational orbit 
using the scientific method. With an show observations. Why, why does it have to be scientific? Are you trying to enforce your oh. narrow scientific your quantum eraser bullshit on me? Is that it? Okay. What observation do you have? I've seen the planets the uh, moons. I've seen the moons of Jupiter orbit <laughs> Jupiter. You've seen them go back and forth. So not manipulating the variable, you can't prove that's gravity doing it. I'm over here saying the stars are fixed in the firmament. Okay. And, and you're over here saying we're on a ball in space and everything's orbiting everything else. Can you demonstrate a gravitational orbit without pointing at the sky and saying, look, there it is. You don't get to decide what evidence I use, Nathan. I'm telling you, I've seen the moons of Jupiter go around Jupiter. You don't okay, get to decide what on, evidence I have. Can prove it was done by gravity? Can I prove it? Have you ever heard the phrase, science doesn't prove things? Do you know why people say science that? Science doesn't prove things. Oh, really? So what yeah. does it do? Does it disprove things? You, you make a hypothesis and then you make observations. Oh, sorry, you make a prediction and then you check whether your prediction comes true in reality. If and it does check, not come I, true, on, then your hypothesis is wrong. If it is true, then you haven't proved anything. You've just shown that your observation is consistent with your hypothesis. That's all that science can do without affirming the consequence. If your Her hypothesis bow. is wrong, didn't you prove that your hypothesis was wrong? Yeah, it's a disproof. Yes, it's not a, not yes a proof you did. Of a positive so, claim. So you just said science doesn't prove things, but then you said if your hypothesis is wrong, you prove <laughs> That wasn't the cause of the effect. Well, thank you very much, dude. Yeah. You I want to give Ru well, well done for making an incredibly semantic argument. And then after Ruhif responds, I want to give, it looks like Brian's been wanting to jump in for a while. Go ahead, Ruhif. Yeah. Um, you know, you prove something wrong. That's an incredibly semantic uh, point to say you've, you've actually proved some positive claim. It's actually not a proof of a positive claim. You make a hypothesis as a positive claim. You can disprove it, yes, if your observation does not match reality, but you can't prove your hypothesis just by making observations that are consistent with it. Thank you. Let me back you up one little bit. Okay, so what I did when I heard y'all talking about gradient is what I tried to do is I took a about 70 foot of PVC pipe and capped off each end, so I contained each end with loose balloon. I put one end in hot water, one end in cold water, and I got a gradient inside containment so i yep. demonstrate in a pressure gradient inside containment so if you want to see uh, a containment okay. a pressure gradient inside containment just walk outside yeah no one's claiming well, that you can't have pressure way. gradients in containers no one claims that we want to see one without containment please no i yeah fine i just said walk out look up yeah. The, the, the gradient the gradient you created wasn't at the equilibrium. If you waited long enough, uh, it would equalize, right? It would, you have the same pressure everywhere. It wouldn't be a gradient anymore. That's First not the not case for step. the atmosphere. Not I, I can I can I, I can get a close. Hold on, Nathan. I do want to let's hear from Bacon. We haven't heard from him for a while. Right. You you can put a barometer in the bottom of a tank and you can put a barometer on top of the tank. You can seal the tank if you don't want to, because you're saying it's uh, a, not a dynamic system. You can seal it. The pressure in the bottom is always going to be high, uh, higher than the pressure on the top. That gradient is uh, is what you get when once the gases are in equilibrium. And containment. Exactly. Because they can't demonstrate sure, any gas pressure without containment. They have to have containment. The atmosphere is an example of gas pressure with That's the gradient that doesn't require a container. 
You're trying Nathan, to prove I do want to be sure that no. we hear each of the debaters, both you and the other person. So just to be sure we're not overlapping. What was the last yeah. thing you said, Ruhif, just to be sure everybody heard it? Yeah, he somehow he's not letting me use the atmosphere as an example of gas pressure. No, I'm using that. I'm Brian, using that. why would I'm you using... interrupt as I'm asking him to repeat himself because he was previously spoken over? That means that I'm trying to make sure I can hear him. Ruhif, if you can say that one last time, and then we'll go over to, we'll give you we'll give it to you, Brian. Go ahead, Ruhif, one last time. And this time, what I'm getting at here, folks, is when I ask him to repeat it, so that we can hear it, I mean, don't interrupt as he's speaking, okay? Go ahead, Ruhif. Yeah. yeah, he's asking for an example of gas pressure without a container. I give him the atmosphere, and he goes, no, you can't use that. Okay, Why is that go, ahead, Brian, or... go ahead, Brian. Thanks for repeating. Um, I'm, I'm, I can use that just as well. Like I, like I said, that um, I could say, look outside. There's proof of containment, and I demonstrated it. You haven't demonstrated it, you know, and uh, so I was just saying, that's my proof. Walk outside that and look up. That's my proof. So but the, is the ISS in a vacuum, Brian? The ISS is the is ISS right? in a near vacuum? Huh? Is the ISS in a, a near vacuum? I think that's beyond the capability that either one of us could prove. I, I think I can prove it in the you know proving colloquial sense. You can ah. measure the height of the ISS. You can measure the speed of the ISS. You know it's a solid object. You know, it, it can't be that shape and travel at 28,000 kilometers an hour if it's not in a vacuum. Okay, how long is the ISS observable for in the night sky? Uh, usually six to seven minutes. Six, seven minutes. And you just said the ISS is going how fast? 28,000 kilometers an hour. 28,000 kilometers an hour. So how fast or how much distance would the ISS travel in six or seven minutes? <laughs> 2,800 kilometers. Okay, so you're telling me, so you're telling me that we could see a soccer field in the night sky from 2,800 kilometers away. Yeah, if it's reflecting light, yes. Okay, you got to understand, the night sky is on the dark side of Earth. You know that, right? The ISS is 400 and something kilometers up. It can see the sun when we are in darkness. Therefore, it reflects, reflects light contrasting against the dark sky. We can see it. Okay, so we can see a soccer field from 2,800 kilometers away. You see the light from it, yes. Whether you can resolve it from 2,800 kilometers away, probably not, but you can resolve it when it gets closer. Which brings me back to your opener. Uh, mountains getting dropping in the distance. Do oh, mountains yes. in the distance decrease in angular size the farther yes. they get away? Yes. Can I share my screen, please, yep. uh, James? Ready for Do? You. Just this is a yes or no question. Yep, Do mountains second. decrease in angular size the farther away they are? Yes. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Did yes. you account for that? Yes. Great. Let's see it. Yeah, on the screen now. So, question: Do you deny perspective, Nathan? No, perspective very real. We've had to teach at the Globers for eight years. They couldn't understand Excellent. why the sun sets. Okay, so your your one of your go-to's is the world record photo, right? To pick Gaspar. Yep. Marday Krenz, 280 miles. Pick, pick Gaspard, 275 miles. Not Bardet Krenz. Sure. Yes. Okay. okay. Still going to be below 50,000 feet of Earth curve that you don't have. Okay. Let's see. What we see. Right. So we can measure the distance at 443 kilometers, right? And its its height, its elevation is 3,883 uh, meters, sorry. So it has an angular size. We can work out the angular size at about half a degree. Do you agree with that so far? 
Okay, looks good. I didn't verify any of this, but so far it looks good. Okay, that's cool. Half a degree of angle size. We can take that photo from Pic de Finestrelay and we can measure azimuths, right, to all these different mountains on the on the photo. So, you know, Tate de la Pro, I'm not even going to try and pronounce these, but we can measure azimuths to all these and we can get a horizontal scale for this photo, right? We're trying to work out a field of view for this photo. Do you understand that we shouldn't be able to see any of those mountains if the Earth's a globe and you're trying to use that we can see those mountains as proof? How, how much How much do you think we do see of that mountain? The fact we see any of it at all proves there's not 50,000 feet of Earth curve because no mountain on Earth is taller than 50,000 feet. Have you tested that in a curve calculator? Tested that in a make your model. Yeah. Have you, have you made a, a prediction for the globe that has been falsified? Well, if you start changing the size of your radius with 7 over 6R, you're just making your model unfalsifiable mathematically. No, incorrect, math Brian. No, not incorrect. We've, we've had this discussion multiple times. Not 275 like that. miles is 10 times farther than what we should be able to see. Sorry, you, you're saying you can't see more than 27 miles? Are you serious? No, that's not what I'm saying, okay? Listen very closely, I'll say it again. 275 miles is 10 times further than what we should be able to see. There's 50,416 feet of missing curve. Missing, is it really? So how much do you think we are seeing of Pit Gaspard? You think we're seeing all of it or 10% of it, 50%? How much do you think we're seeing? Okay, how tall is Mount Gaspard? 3,883. Okay, so if there's 50,000 feet of missing curve, right? Is there you're though? Over, you're over here saying we can see a 3,000 foot high mountain. Mm -hmm. There's supposed to be 50,000 feet of earth curve, bro. How did you get 50,000 feet? Did you just go eight inches per mile squared, Nathan? Is that what you did? Uh, that's what would be curving for 275 miles. Right. So when I said that eight inches per mile squared is the wrong formula, this is exactly what I mean. You're not taking into account the viewer height of 2,820 meters. Okay, let's take into okay. account the viewer height. Let's do it. Let's bring okay. up uh, Metabunk, shall we? No matter what you do, you're missing a couple miles of that mountain, no matter what you do. You, you of course. All right, I'll and, try and change that. How do I change the... Um, you're going to prove um, my point, that you, you're just going to go to Metabunk and use your slide and scale, which... Uh, can, can you see over six R? Telescope, right? Hang on, I'm just going to quickly stop sharing and reshare. On a good day, I could see my own ass in a telescope, right? Yeah. Yep. Oh, right. These guys. Distance in kilometers, 443 point something. Uh, view height, uh, 2820. All right, refracted hidden, if you can see on my screen, 3.82 kilometers. Okay. The mountain is taller than 3.82 kilometers. We should no, be able to see it. That includes the mountain height, bro. No, it doesn't. I didn't oh, put the did? mountain height in anywhere. Okay, so hold on, hold on. How much refraction do you have going on there? Seven over six are standard typical refraction. How does refraction know the radius of Earth? It doesn't, Brian. We've been through this multiple times again as well. Well, well, you like to elaborate? You're, sure. Because what you're enlarging Earth. To okay. make it, you're, you're just making your model unfalsifiable. Uh, no, nobody's calling for you. Let me find my seven over six R slide. I'll uh, stop sharing in a sec. What if that ain't enough? Then what do you do? Yeah, you but how did you get R for the seven over six R? 
How is hard calculated? Hold on, hold on. Well, you, you keep asking me stuff that I got to go backwards and backwards and backwards again. So. There's a simple answer. How did you get R? Right, 60 nautical miles per degree. 69 miles per degree implies a sphere. Okay, if the Earth was a ball, yes, it would curve one degree every 69 miles. How did you measure the radius of the Earth to get seven over six radius? Hang on, we've got to see. Uh, first, asked how did we get the radius? Right, so we, I got to go back another step. Uh, where is it? Uh, this one's That's not good. finished. I got radius and opener, Rip. It uh, okay. on a flat plane. With with sixty nine miles in one degree, you get a radius of thirty nine fifty eight on a flat no, plane. We, we've been through that a dozen times. Was wrong. You've accidentally applied the small angle approximation, right? You're assuming that's a small triangle when in reality it's a small sector of a circle. Both ways, when you get right? a bigger one, it will it will show you it's a circle. Wouldn't that work both ways? So we'd have the no. large angle approximation. Yeah, it would. Uh, no, not that one. What was I doing now? Now you've got me. Uh, Trying to figure out what we're actually talking about. So, I where did we get to prove how we got the radius? Right, Just the radius comes from the the inference that uh, when you back away from a star or a sun, um, the angle to it changes by one degree, and that linear relationship of angle to distance means that the Earth is a sphere. It doesn't fit with Plato's geometry, right? Celestial sphere, maybe. No, we're talking about the ground, right? It doesn't fit with the geometry of the Earth being flat. Oh, you need to talk to Walter Beslin. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> is uh, James Are you taking, telling me that James... Solarium is not accurate? Solarium is, is accurate. Walter Bislin's model is not accurate. What he does is simply say, here is my alt as uh, grid over the top. I've got these stars circling around me uh, like the AE map has. What kind of light bending do I need? Completely ad hoc. What light bending do I need to make them appear where they should be if the Earth is a globe? Okay, anyway, so is James keeping radius, track of all these points that I've got to address? You got the radius by looking at the stars, seeing that yep. they move when you change your latitude on the Earth, and then you presuppose the Earth's a ball doing that. It's the the inference to the best explanation, yes. Okay, do you understand that if the Earth is flat and you move away from a star, the declination of the star would also move towards the horizon. You do realize that, right? Yeah, that's a trigonometric yeah, relationship, no, yeah, not no. a linear relationship. Okay, so you understand you the difference. Is not proof of Earth radius Jesus at Christ all. Man. Do you understand that if, as if you're on a flat Earth and you move away, you would use a right-angled triangle and a trigonometric function to work out that angle? Do you understand that? I showed that in my opener, Riff. I showed that it oh. doesn't it you doesn't deviate by one degree until you hit fifteen hundred miles. So when you start yeah. traveling over oceans and stuff, you'd be able to double check that stuff. Um, and right, but, what, what's the arc length difference to a flat plane over fifteen hundred miles? I don't know. But does Nathan understand that if we're on a flat Earth and we back away, do you understand that you then use trigonometric functions to work out the angle? We see in a dome. see in a sphere, bro. Nathan, have you done trigonometry? Did you pass your right mathematics? If you don't have any proof of Earth's radius, you look at the I'm, sky. I'm just asking you, do you understand that it's a trigonometric Earth's relationship? Do you understand that it's a trigonometric relationship? Move away on a flat plane, it's a triangle. One, just to be sure, hold on, I do want to be sure we hear from Ruhif, and then we'll go over to you, Brian. I know that you're right. wanting to get a point in, and I want to give you that chance, but we'll give Ruhif a chance to wrap up his, I think you had a question for them that you were saying. Yeah, does Nathan understand basic trigonometry, that if you move backwards on a flat plane, you're using a right angle triangle, and therefore trigonometry to work out angles and sides. Do you understand? I'll take this, because it was in my opener that you're you're invoking 
uh, seven over six R and all this stuff, but you're pinning us down to a trigonometric function. Like nothing else could be going on when, and, but, but you're going to uh, change your radius size and all this other stuff and have a sliding scale that I'm trying to make it unfalsifiable. Basically when I showed that it's 1500 miles before you're off by one degree before it deviates. And what is the distance? What is the arc length distance uh, from a flat plane in a globe over, over 1500 miles? Yeah, we'll, we'll get there in a minute, Brian. So there's many points that Nathan's, you know, thrown at me. I'm okay. asking him whether he understands that that would be a trigonometric relationship on yeah, a flat but Earth. Yeah, but trigonometric the roof. It's perspective, refraction, yeah. yep. you know. Angular size, there's lots of yeah. All those things, right? But are you drawing a triangle and solving it using trigonometry? Is that how you should do it? Is that sure. why the angle changes? Yes. Okay. But in reality, the relationship between angle and distance is not trigonometric. It's linear. It's 60 nautical miles per degree. On right. either model. That's reality. No, not on either model. That's not on either, either model. model. <laughs> no, we all just can have explanations, but we can't. That's what you're saying. Yeah, bacon, bacon our model, yeah. Ben Light, and our model, we can't do nothing. We're stuck with the with the just the trig and nothing else. Yeah, the Super Mario orthographic view of the flat earth that doesn't account for perspective or refraction or angular size. That's all we get. Right? Can you account for it? Can you account for perspective? You're using spherical geometry and refraction and all this, and you're saying we have to use just the strict trig. Is that fair? No, I, I want you to use some geometry. Show like my, my presentation was how to sorry, how how do you you know, how do you model it on a flat earth to get your predicted angle? Please do some geometry, please. What this is a debate bacon? about the shape of the earth. Please should do some geometry. Bacon, assert your dominance. Go ahead. Go on, Bacon. Yeah, I would just like to clarify some things. So this, uh, if you if you compare, can I share my screen? It'll be yep. easier to Ready for things. you. All right. You guys see that? Yep. Yep. Okay. So this diagram here can compare a globe Earth and a, 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 a flat Earth using any star height you want and any distance or, or angle you want. So I'm going to use what Brian uses for his uh, models, which is 39.58 miles, I think, uh, for the star, and use the trigonometrical relationship, which is what you would get on a flat Earth. So as I change the observer distance from the star, as you can see, the line of sight to the star makes sense here on flat earth that is because i'm using a trigonometrical function but it doesn't make sense on the globe it points to different directions all the time it doesn't match where the star would be if you use the linear relationship which is what's used in navigation uh, now it makes sense on the globe because those lines are now parallel which points to the same star but on the on a on the flat earth they uh give a different height for their star at each distance what brian was talking about like the first uh uh, the first 1500 miles is that if you do this the for the first 1500 miles the difference between um where the star is and where the star should be is about a degree so the first 20 degrees there's only one degree of deviation uh, from observation to what the flat earth would expect but as you keep going further that changes vastly you would never uh like you, you get several and several degrees of discrepancy on the globe, you don't have to account for several and several degrees. There's yeah, just a slight difference. Hold on, just to be sure. Let's give him a chance to finish, and then we'll go. I promise we'll go right to you, Brian. Yes, sir. Right. Yeah, there's just a slight difference that it's the table you get from the almanac. It, uh, so Ruth is mentioning that you have to account for, and that's that's just for the sake of Brian's argument. 
say that maybe the distance is nonlinear. That there's not an. Uh, I think I actually covered that in the presentation. Let's say there's not a, a linear relation between angle and distance. Right. Uh, I actually did. I well, one second. I'm just finished. I actually created a web page for Brian where he could test different functions for distance versus angle and see which one would work. I put it a couple of uh, uh, star fixes from uh, of, of navigation there where he could adjust the formula and see if they would work or not on the fly map. And there's no formula can put there. Brian didn't come up with an answer for that. I couldn't come up with an oh, answer really? for that. There's no possible okay. answer for it. Okay, let me explain. Okay, I, I did it to match reality, 69 miles per degree. And does it not match reality? You tried to apply it to an AE map. What I just gave you a simple refraction uh, calculation to show us why we see 69 miles per degree because y'all kept asking for the math. So it does work for 69 miles per degree, our reality, right? And I asked Not you very well. What you just and, showed, and your, showed your his refraction is entirely ad hoc. He just showed his observations on the flat Earth side coming from the ground, but he showed his observations on the globe side coming from the center of Earth. So are all the three star measurements, is that a parallel baseline, Bacon? You're taking them all from one position. So would, be, would that be three parallel baselines? The, the observation was at the surface. The line to the angle to the center of the Earth was just showing that the arc over the surface was the same as the zenith angle. That the right. observation isn't being taken by, by the, from the center. But with the three observations to the three different stars, okay, over over a plane or to the horizon, would that would they be parallel baseline? The parallel? What would you mean? Would they be parallel to each other? The Three star observations. You're drawing a baseline, right? To each right, right. stars. Would they be parallel? No, they, I mean, do you I mean the baseline of oh, the measurement? Matter. <laughs> well, I said no. What do you mean? I mean the You're baseline right, of all those matter. measurements. But but the baseline of all those measurements are dipping down because they're aiming in the horizon, so they would not be parallel. To each other. You're a smart guy. I, all right. All right. How about proof Earth spins a thousand miles an hour faster than the speed of sound? Do we have any of that? Sure. Again, when you say proof and I say science doesn't prove things, right, I can give you observations that are consistent with the Earth rotating. Would you like one of those? Science doesn't prove things. We're back to this. Right. Okay, so science doesn't have any proof Earth's a globe. Yeah, you can't prove yeah. anything about the real right. world. So science so. never proved Earth's a globe. Yeah, correct. Okay, great. Now, do you have any... Evidence. It use it. Use it as a, a soundbite. Do you have any evidence without affirming the consequent that the Earth That's why science doesn't prove things, Nathan, because it would affirm the consequent. You have a, a hypothesis, right? Yeah, if, but then you're also the If yeah, okay, and then we get to the semantic bullshit about disproving a. Not semantics. It's the scientific <laughs> method. Okay, so we have a hypothesis or disprove your hypothesis. That's okay, what so science. You, is no, you can't prove a hypo a positive a positive hypothesis. You can't prove it. You, you just said you could disprove it. Yes. Okay, so if you don't disprove yes. it, what do you do? Oh Jesus! And the answer is proof. No, if you I don't need to call out the Lord's name in vain. The answer when oh, you pumpkin. don't disprove. I'm sorry, pumpkin. Sorry, sweetheart. When you don't disprove your hypothesis, what do you do? If you don't disprove your hypothesis, right, then you, you prove the what? null. Prove it. You're disproved. And you proved it. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> if, oh, if you have a hypothesis, 
Let's go through the logic, Nathan. Let's go through the logic, right? I have a hypothesis that the Earth is a rotating globe, right? That's my hypothesis. Hypothesis is a cause and effect relationship. Just to hear the end of Ruhi's point, and then we're going to have to go into the Q&A pretty quick here, because that kind of snuck up on me. So let's let Ruhi finish his point, and then we'll go into the Q&A, because we've got to run quick through all these questions. Yeah. All right. So if I have a hypothesis that the Earth is a spinning ball, right, rotating globe, one of the consequences of that is that there will be centrifugal force for anything on Earth, right? That leads us to what we can do in an experiment, right? We can test whether we can measure centrifugal force, okay? So if Earth rotating globe, then uh, your weight will change with latitude. I go out into reality and I measure that weight change with latitude. If I then say, therefore, the Earth is a rotating globe, I have affirmed the consequent, right? If I don't measure it, if I don't measure that weight change with latitude, then I've disproved that positive claim. So I've proved it false if you would like to be a semantic dick, right? Oh, so science does prove things. Oh, again, like I said, semantic bullshit. We're going to jump into the Q&A. Want to say a couple of quick housekeeping things, my dear friends. There is a poll in the chat. Is NASA dishonest about the shape of the Earth? Here are the options, and here's what's in the lead so far. In the lead with 42%, no, NASA is trustworthy. In second place, yes, NASA is lying about the shape of the Earth, and much more. Third place, Brian is sexy. And fourth place, (laughs) this is, uh, fourth is, no, but they lie about other stuff. Juicy, to say the least. Want to say a couple of quick housekeeping things, as I mentioned. First, all of our guests are linked in the description. That includes at the podcast. Folks, if you did not know, as you can see at the bottom right of your screen, Modern Day Debate has a podcast as well. You can find all of our guest links there in the description box in addition to the description box here on YouTube. And if you haven't yet, pull out your phone, pull up your favorite podcast app, and follow Modern Day Debate. And that way you'll have the option when you get a reminder of a new debate coming out to listen to a debate on the road if you want to have that option. And... This one coming in from, do appreciate your question. Witsit gets it. That's right. The original says, if we used angles via perspective to get an, let me know if I pronounce this right, azimuthal grid to engineer a globe model is pointing out those measurements match proof of the globe. Is that to me? I think that's for you, our flat earth friends. Oh, no, 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 no. sorry, the, the Globe Earth friends. Sorry about that. Oh, bacon, bacon, go. Yeah. Right. So what is, what it could be said that is being fudged in the Globe model is, let's say, the ground positions of the stars. Because uh, that's, uh, like we can say that we're basing our coordinates uh, on where the stars are, because you can check that. If, you, if, you're, if you're at the ground position of the star, you can simply look up and see that the star is there. Right? What would not be possible to fudge is how that star would appear to you as it go to another position. The way the angles relate to the positions on the surface is described by the heversign between two coordinates. That's not something we can fudge in. You can try to start with flat surface, flat distances and try to fudge that into a sphere. Uh, the angles won't change. You're not going to be able to make all those match at the same time. But once yep. you do stellar observations using a globe to make the predictions, 
you get things within a fraction of a degree, which you wouldn't be possible just by trying to fudge it. What I do have to do, because we have so many questions, I do have to keep moving through these without the rebuttals of the questions, just because I know for sure Ruhif has to go in 28 minutes. And then some of the questions we're going to try to read that aren't addressed to Ruhif after he leaves, if it comes to that. So hopefully it doesn't come to that. We want to get through all of them while Ruhif is here. Witsik gets it strikes again, saying, if Earth is a globe, why do tsunami waves wrap around every single continent and landmass on Earth except Antarctica? I, I believe you had that uh, question answered by PhD Tony yesterday. I'm not a geologist. Ask him. Why are you asking me? He, he doubled it did. Then he I said why to, it did. I do have to go to the next one. Earth is life, says Brian. Do you agree with this statement? Quote, Johannesburg and Sydney are roughly 6,700 miles apart on Earth. No, I don't agree with that. No. Juicy. How far apart are they, Brian? Sorry? How far apart are they? Uh, probably about 8,000 would be my guess. I don't think there's no way to okay. prove that uh, over the great ocean. You know, we could use undersea cables and measure them, except unfortunately we don't have any extending between the southern continents and celestial navigation the south star is three degrees so we can't even use the stars hardly also for so brian say, oh, earth is life says brian do you well, we got that they said nathan and brian was refraction accounted for in the black swan if we account for refraction then that puts us like i said earlier seeing our own ass through a telescope or a radius about the size of Jupiter. It's, uh, so they're just making a fix-all model mathematically. I hope everybody uh, has noticed that. Yeah, I know. It's like, on the, according to the globe, because this question was for me, not you guys, goodbye. So according to the globe, you can only see three miles out from a six-foot observer height. But then when we see the horizon past 10 miles, they go, well, did you account for refraction? Your religion says the horizon shouldn't be past 1.25 times the square root of the observer's height and feet. So at six hey, feet tall, that's right. Nathan, we do have to, I hate to do this, yeah. but just because, oh. Ruif, I know you've got to go and we've got so many questions. That <laughs> Tim right. Pryor says, Nathan, gravity wasn't invented. It was discovered. Yeah, and Newton said, don't attribute it to me because nobody with thinking faculties upstairs would believe this nonsense. And then they changed it 100 years ago to be the bending of space-time. Space doesn't have any properties, and time is a concept. How do you bend a concept with no physical properties? Jeremy Jutilla. Jeremy Jutilla, thank you, says Nathan. Can you demonstrate a weather system inside the room that you are in? Since you can't, at that scale, does that mean they don't exist? It's a troll question, dude. This one... <laughs> This one coming in from, they say, Tim Pryor says, Nathan, you've been told a long time ago that eight inches per mile squared is not the right formula. You're, as, you're being dishonest as can be. Uh, you might want to tell the Globers that because they use the eight inches per mile squared in their opener. <laughs> Wait, didn't we talk about this with relation to Pitt Gaspard, right? You didn't take into account the observer height. You just went 275 times 275 times eight inches, right? That's why we say it's the wrong formula for that particular purpose. Correct? 50,000 feet of drop 
Okay, the Earth would curve fifty thousand feet over two hundred and seventy-five miles. Do you right. agree with that? Yeah, right. Yes. yes. Okay, so that's what I said. Yeah. Next question, right. please. But how much of the mountain should you see when you're at two thousand eight hundred and twenty meters elevation? Ton of bro. Incorrect. This we just coming in. through, We just did it on Metabunk. We just did it. This one coming in from Eddie Dean says, "Got that one." Night shift one thousand says, "Isn't a scientific law a proof of something in science, or am I thinking about that wrong?" They didn't say who it's for. Uh, probably for me. Um, yeah, they're not. They're not proofs. I mean, laws. Laws are like inductive reasoning that we just say are inviolable. They, you know, tomorrow things might start floating up. Maybe this one I'll coming. Uh, balloons do float up, bud. Next question. Thank you for that incisive fact, Nathan. This is from Eddie Deed says, yeah. Nathan, since you love demonstrations and mentioned the firmament, will you please demonstrate that the firmament actually exists? What is it made out of? I haven't got a piece of the firmament to test, but we have things like sprites, sun dogs, halos, uh, the fact we have gas pressure, uh, thunder. These are all evident rainbows. Okay, you can't recreate a rainbow indoors. Okay, they, there's lots of proofs you live under a firmament. The stars and sun and moon are all fixed. They have repeatable patterns. The Mayans have been linking them up to pyramids for 1,300 years. And these guys are over here saying, oh, it's a spinning ball in space moving 1.3 million miles an hour and everything's attracted to everything else. Total, utter nonsense. This one coming in from Tim Pryor. says, Nathan, I know the first rule of flat earth, which is... Earth is, don't talk about flat Earth, but are you honestly going to give any flat Earth evidence at all, even though that's the first rule of flat Earth? Yeah, fluid static state when a large body of water is at rest, the surface is level and horizontal to the container. Now, Globers will just redefine the word level, not what it says in the dictionary, which is free of bends, curves, or irregularities. Synonyms are flat, plumb, flush, and straight. They'll take level and say, oh, that means curve. Should we look up the definition Next of Earth question. in the dictionary? Let's look up the dic definition de dictionary definition of Earth, shall we? Well, let's move on to the next question. <laughs> of course not. This one coming in from, do appreciate your question. Theros Rex says, so Nathan, you think the Earth is flat, but how old is it? I'd love to debate you on that, if your answer is anything under a billion. I don't, I've never found a rock with a state-issued ID that gave its date of birth, so I don't know exactly how old the Earth is. Your religion needs it to be billions and billions of years old, and then still, the math revolution doesn't even work. So, it's your religion that needs billions of years and is super worried about the time and when it was created. Not me. I'm here to talk about the shape. The shape is flat. You can test it yourself. We see way too far. This one coming in from, do appreciate your question. Flanker 420 says, I can see spherical planets, moons, and galaxies using an optical telescope. I regularly image Andromeda. At what point does it turn into fake CGI? Are my pictures and observations fake? Uh, the moon with a ball would be reflecting light, would have a specular highlight. All balls reflecting light have specular highlights. NASA even added one to the blue marble to make it look more realistic. Now, my question to the Globers is, and hopefully Brian agrees with me, if the moon is a ball reflecting light, where's the specular highlight? It doesn't have one. Also, moonlight's cold. So it's not reflecting hot sunlight if moonlight is measurably cold. 
This one coming in from Tim Pryor. So same argument, Nathan. How did you measure the Earth to determine it's flat, not very bright, are you? Okay, well, uh, there's plenty of places. Lake Pontchartrain, the Atlantic Ocean, Pacific Ocean. All the oceans should be curving at the same rate. So you, you can just go to one location with a large body of water. You don't even really need to do long-distance observations. Just look at it when it's really calm. The surface of the water is a perfect reflection. That only happens on a flat surface. You don't get specular reflections on curved surface. So you just go to the house of mirrors at the circus. When the surface of the mirror is curved, the image in the surface is distorted, okay? When the surface is flat, you get a perfect mirror image, which is what we observe on stationary lakes. Cool Lambo says the Bible tells us that the Earth is a spherical object that orbits a central point in the solar system. How do you rationalize your flat Earth beliefs with this information? Does it? Uh, say among the heathen, the Lord reigneth, the world shall be established, it shall not be moved. Psalm 96, 10. So I don't know where this guy, the, nowhere in the Bible does it say the Earth is spinning ball in space. Quite the contrary, it says it's fixed, immovable, it's on pillars, it will never move. When Jesus comes back, every eye will see him. That's what it says. Any, so, any day now, any day. Wits it gets it. Right. Not you, dude. Shut up. Wits it gets <laughs> no, it strikes sorry, again. He says the 69 mile per degree comes from the Azumithal grid of observability. As, yeah, Globe, grid of observation. Brian, like seriously, while I'm reading the question, oh, they say the globe sorry. model was engineered hijacking that perspective ratio. Do you understand? I understand that Witzer doesn't understand geometry. If he could show that geometry to me, then I'll take him seriously. But he can't do year eight geometry. Yeah, the geometry is you walk 69 miles and the objects in the sky change by one degree. That's the yeah. geometry. You what, just what is the geometry? You what just is the geometry of the Earth? Earth a ball. What is the geometry of the Earth that gives that ratio? Yeah, if you can see. If you can see to this to one degree per 69 miles, you're pretty much uh, uh, accepting really well. that the Earth is here. Okay, Austin just said they reverse engineered that from a flat Earth. Okay, that was the question. It was for you guys. If you guys don't have a good answer, we should just move on. This one coming in from Slickback says, love the channel, Modern Day Debates. Thanks for your kind words. That means a lot. It says, Good to see some real conversation taking place. It's been a lively and juicy one tonight, no doubt about it. This one, I want to remind you, all credit to our guests. They're linked in the description. They are the lifeblood of the channel, so we're grateful for them. And I'm jumping into this next question from Earth First Space Later. It says, there is no recorded diffraction in Antarctica due to earthquakes and wave patterns. Whoops, not a continent on the bottom of a ball. Whoopsie. Is that a question to anyone? I don't. Well, they, they don't always come in question form. Okay. So I mean, if it's a super chat, you let Tony. people make a comment. Yeah. PhD Tony was on yesterday. He's a geologist. Ask him. I'm not a geologist. I have no idea. This one from Yi Dian says, Ruhif, is it easier to answer the simple questions about the globe when they're not being shouted at you like you're a child? Good job keeping yeah. so calm. Thank you. It's been fun. Let's see here. We have Tim Pryor who says, Yes, Nathan, refraction. The cranes on the oil rigs are not naturally bendy. Ding dong. 
It doesn't matter what the cranes are. The fact we see the horizon past an oil platform that is nine miles out means that the Earth either has a radius uh, equal to the orbital path of the moon, which is not a radius of 39.59, or it's flat, okay? So it either is way bigger than they're telling us. Can, can I offer an alternate explanation? No, no we, we don't, we don't measure the radius done talking to you. by You're looking boring. at the horizon. This one, we don't. I we do have, the, just the to get through these as the quickly as possible, this one coming in from Tim Pryor, a critic of you, Nathan, says, Nathan, $1,000 right now. If you can give evidence for Flat Earth with, without even bringing up the globe. Oh, and another 1000 so you can't. They're trolling. Next question. They also said, for everyone that thinks NASA lies... There, there is a poll in chat, folks. It's pretty neck and neck. The top two still being whether or not NASA lied or not. And Brian is sexy, has fallen to fourth place. Sorry, Brian. I think you're sexy, Brian. I this, this one, Tim Pryor says, for everyone who thinks that NASA lies, you probably should stop using their technology. Hippocrates. Yeah, I think stop his, drinking tang I think his phone auto-corrected. I think he meant hypocrites instead of the ancient Greek physician. But let me know if you meant to say the ancient Greek physician. <laughs> this one from S Tim Pryor strikes again. Says, yes. You got that one. Which it gets it strikes again. Says, 1900s Lieutenant E. Middleton writes their crew was off over 200 miles using the globular model for celestial navigation in the south. Why is that? I don't know. Show me the documentation. Oh, stop, 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 being a, yeah, stop being a pussy and answer my DMs. What's it? Juicy please, sliding please into those DMs. This <laughs> one coming <laughs> in from Crane. Let's see. <clears throat> David Reif says, It's always day daylight at noonday. Every six, the constant rotation of the Earth it should be daylight. You're facing a 180-degree shift in direction every six months. I didn't Thank understand you. that. Did you guys? Yeah, what he's saying is if the Earth orbits around the sun every six months, nighttime would be daytime and daytime would be nighttime. But they calculated this uh, and they accounted for it with a sidereal day. They say that the sun doesn't actually go around the Earth in a 24 hours, even though the Georgia Guidestones, again, have a slit in the top that mark high noon, and uh, that's every 24 hours, contrary to the globe religion, but they don't want to talk about that, do they? Okay, well done for Nathan for learning something in the last eight years. I know more about the globe than you do. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you think that, Nathan. I'm sure that you do. This one coming in from Balthazar228 says, Dude, did you know that you could create an experiment to test hypotheses around a flat Earth? You might even prove a 15 degree per hour shift or drift and win a Nodel prize. Thanks, Bob. Did that Globetard just say science proof stuff with a hypothesis? Didn't he listen to the entire debate where this interlocutor said science doesn't prove things? So what the hell is that guy talking about? <laughs> right, Rudolph? Right? Hey, sir. Bob, Bob never claimed a 15 degree hour rotation of earth he claimed a 15 degree hour period the question is is whether it's the heavens above or the ground and he proved he released the data because when he went up higher at the same latitude it was over a one degree 
speed in, I mean, a shift in rotation. So how does that work on a ball? Just by going up a higher elevation, do we get, that would work perfect on a flat earth, but on a ball, that doesn't work. And Brian, so, Sagnac invented the interferometer and Sagnac himself says it's the vortex of the ether causing the drip. So apparently we should trust Bob, a flat earther on YouTube, more than the guy who invented the Sagnac interferometer, Sagnac himself. <laughs> Tim Pryor says, now that you've been told for the billionth time, Nathan, stop using eight inch per square mile. We tell you it's wrong. We never say it. And it was a flat earther who came up with it. You've been told this. Eight inches per mile squared is what's on the curve calculator. And it was Glenn, in Glenn's opening. So I don't know. These Globers need to talk amongst themselves and figure out what the actual curve of Earth would be because that guy doesn't even agree with the people I'm debating. How pathetic is that? You just have to use the correct formula. engineering software. Eight inches. You just have to apply you the correct that? formula to the situation, right? The, Jeremy, the amount of drop from Jeremy Jatilla says, wait, Nathan, you say because pressure surrounded by vacuum does uh, can't be shown on small scale it's proven false but you not being able to show a weather system on a smaller scale in your room isn't proof uh my room doesn't have a sun introducing heat and so it's not analogous to the earth which is a closed dynamic system the air is inhomogeneous and anisotropic okay you're comparing apples and oranges because globers cling to a desperate cartoon religion this one coming in from, do appreciate it. Tim Pryor says, sun coming through the window and a squirt bottle. I can make a rainbow. You are lying. Not without a reflector. And he's lying. Yep, he's lying. Thanks, Brian. Jeremy Jutilla, we got that one. Witsigitsa says, actually, PhD, Tony didn't answer my question yesterday. You guys haven't seen it. There was a juicy debate on yesterday. You don't want to miss that. Hit that subscribe button, and that way you'll see the future ones as well. They say, let's try bacon. Why do tsunami waves wrap around all land masses on Earth except Antarctica if the Earth is a ball bacon? I think the I'm not a geologist answer is pretty suitable for me too. This one from Tim Pryor. We got that one. Jeremy Jatilla says, flurfs, I mean flat earthers. Does pressure blow or does vacuum suck? Is pressure energy? Is energy infinite? That's why the, quote, the atmosphere doesn't blow into the vacuum, unquote. The energy, quote, unquote, runs out and can't move any further. They want to have infinity and zero, too. Uh, I think they need to rethink that one. So they have zero pressure? And then infinity, that, that uh, oxymoron, you, there's no zero if there's an infinity. To me, it would go both ways. So you could have negative pressure if you pull it on a plunger. And the harder you pull, the more negative pressure you're going to have. Push on the plunger, the harder you push, the more positive pressure. That's my opinion on that. This one coming in from, do appreciate it. Tim Pryor says, so you have no measurements of the earth being flat. I got it. Measurements are numbers. Quit giving me word salads. <laughs> he doesn't need an answer. Dude needs a tissue, bro. Sounds like he's about to cry. Juicy. I don't know why. Okay, this one coming in from Jason S. 
If you had a question, Jason S., let me know. I can find it in the live chat. I didn't see one attached. Eddie Dean says, Nathan and Brian, what are your science credentials that make you qualified to speak on the shape of celestial bodies? Appeal to credentials is a fallacy. I got a telescope and a P1000, which works better than a telescope. But um, yeah, that is an appeal to credentials, man. It's pretty much no matter what we show, they're going to claim at the end that we showed no evidence. So last debate, I showed wasted half my presentation showing several, just one after another experiments. And at the end, they still said, y'all didn't bring any evidence. So yeah, I just, like if you, if you I say the sky is blue, Brian, you're gonna, do you need credentials to say the sky is blue? No. Do you need credentials to go out and verify the Earth's curving in all directions? No, you don't. This one coming in from, do appreciate it. Bob says, Nathan, globe was proposed thousands of years ago. Heliocentrism in the 1500s, not 1666. Why even lie about that? Great. So heliocentrism was introduced in the 1500s, but the Mayans were lining up pyramids to the sky in the 9th and 12th century. Brilliant argument, Glovers. Back to the drawing board, guys. <laughs> this one from Tim Pryor says, So when was it that you decided you're smarter than every scientist on the planet? Nathan, was it your third or fourth or fifth or your 50th YouTube video? That's a straw man. I never claim to be smarter than any of or all of the scientists. So it's it literally, guys, listen to what Globers say. They are logically illiterate. Okay? They have no logic whatsoever. I never said that. Why would you even say that I think that? It makes no sense whatsoever. You're just lying. Your lying. twin brother, Witsit Gets It, says Captain Nilsson says using the globular model for celestial navigation. Their crew was off by 100 miles in the south. Dozens of examples. Is this a coincidence? Send it to me. Well, to, I'll, I'll look at it. Well, both, both me, both me and Ruth did celestial navigation in the south. Ruth's fix was just 200 meters off, which is insanely accurate. And in my location, not, I never got beyond like six miles off from my fixes. So I don't. According, I don't know. Where, where are you, what are you double checking this again? No, I'm I've talking about the position. How is them determining that they're 20, uh, 200 miles off or 100 miles off? Globe bath and represent it to a globe, right? You're double checking no, it up I against the globe bath, right? No, I, I, there's the coordinates that I know from my house, and then there's the coordinates that I get from the sky. Those are two separate things. The fact that they this, match. I've got to give, I've got to go to the next one. Bill says, yes. oh, well, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Sorry, Bacon. Do you have any? Were you uh, mid-sentence? No, go ahead. I think I think that's fine. Bill says, if NASA lies about the Earth, what about China and Russia? Do they also lie? Are they all in on this lie? Uh, James, do you know when China landed on the moon? James. I'm not aware of them landing on yeah, the moon. Yeah, because they, they released the video and then retracted it because it was so fake. Go look it up, guys. It was so bad. So... They're all lying about space, okay? All the countries are working together to hide the shape of Earth. I know it's crazy. Research it. This one coming in from, do appreciate your question. Wits it gets it. Coming at you, Bacon and Ruhif says, quote, all problems solved by the help of traverse tables would be impractical on the supposition the Earth is a sphere. 
quoting Dun. I can't see Dun a Dunraven in navigation. And then they say, "Why is that?" Yeah, I'm not familiar with that. He's referring to yeah. This like one. I said, from... it's a, don't be a pussy. DM me. Tim Pryor slide into his DMs. Tim Pryor says, oh, yeah. "Last one, Nathan. If if we're so dumb." Quit using our technology, you hypocrite. Our technology? Okay, okay, we pay NASA too, Einstein. So when NASA steals $60 million a day from taxpayers and use them to develop technology, it's not your technology, it's our technology. Witsit says, quote, in practice, scarcely any, uh, scarcely any other rules are used but those derived from plain sailing, unquote. Says this is from Professor Evers in Navigation, in Theory, and Practice. He said, is he wrong? If he includes celestial navigation in that, then yes, he's wrong. It requires a sphere. Alex Williams. Alex Williams says, James, please stop these flat earth debates. This nonsense really devalues the channel. I've got to be honest. It's a, it's, I don't understand it myself. I, if you guys know how we cut our teeth, we started with religion debates. But Flat Earth, people enjoy. Like They really seem to enjoy science debates. So that's why we host them. This one from Theros Rex says, Also, the Earth is 4.5 billion years old. Fight me. Prove it. This one from Nick B says, atmosphere in container has same pressure everywhere. On a static system, yes. Earth's not a static system. It's closed dynamic system. On a car tire, for example, with no heat being introduced, a car tire that's not rolling down the road uh, would have uh, gas that is pretty much the same in all direction and not moving around very much. The problem is Earth has a sun and, a, and water cycles and oxygen and nitrogen cycles. So it's a closed dynamic system. Everything's moving around. It's inhomogeneous and anisotropic on both models. That's both models, ladies and gentlemen. What do you guys talk about? Any thoughts on that, Ruhi for Bacon? No. This one from Nick B. We got that one. Jason S. says, Nathan, by rejecting refraction, you're basically saying that mirages and other optical illusions we can all observe are real. Like More hovering, line. hold on one sec. They say, like hovering cargo ships. Do flat earthers also believe that magic is real? He's lying again, lying. I never deny refraction exists. Okay, it was my two debaters who said, Oh, we can measure where the sun is and prove it's not a flat earth by taking its actual location. And then the next debater, two minutes away, two minutes later, says, Oh, we can't tell exactly where objects are in the sky. It's their apparent location, not their actual location. Okay, so. Can I respond? Yes. Contradiction. Yeah. Same, same response as an hour ago. The the refraction correction is tiny. Like when you're when you're 45 degrees elevation, it's it's like like an arc minute. Yeah. So it's sounds tiny. like these guys are denying refraction, not me, Globed. <laughs> might want to talk to your buddies over here. Okay. Yeah. Other people can be wrong, Nathan. That's okay with me. I am going to go to the next on. question, but I do want to mention. I know that Ruby, if you said you had to leave. Totally okay. This is go-karting soon. We have people leave when they have to all the time. Like, that's normal. So whenever you need to cut out, just interject and say so. Yeah, about 10 minutes. Yep. Okay. 
Tim Pryor says, watch, Nathan. I'll give you a magic trick. I'm going to log off of YouTube. And I bet flat earth will mean nothing in the world like always. Again, stop using our technology, you hypocrite. That guy's no, triggered, bro. Holy crap. Next question, Jim. I didn't What's even hear you. You're not speaking oh. into the can the mic. So that guy's triggered, James. Next question. This one coming in from Eddie Dean says, Nathan and Brian, your lack of credentials makes your arguments less credible than those of the real scientists. Why well, can't you accept that that's a meaningful difference? Because what I have been doing for over 30 years is using auto levels. I've done miles of curve. I've done seawalls. And first thing when I heard flat earth is I took my instrument and went out and checked it. And I went along the coastline, checked it against water. And there was no curvature in almost two miles, not well, about a mile and a half. And uh, that's what I do for a living is uh, I, I lay out things level. I do slope. If something's dropping down in the distance, not earth curve, water will go that way. We calculate it rise over run, not curving. That's my credential. Yeah. And if you're so obsessed with credentials, go look at Neil deGrasse Tyson. He says the earth's flat from 120,000 feet on the Red Bull space jump. So welcome to flat earth, Globehead. This one from Tim Pryor says, Nathan, you don't have to say that the fact you think Earth is flat automatically says you believe you're smarter than every scientist in the world, you ding dong. He's saying that it, it's implied that you seem to think you have an edge on them because they're all wrong about the globe and you are correct. I think that's what they're trying to say, Nathan. What about flat earth scientists? Are all the flat earth scientists also smarter than all the other flat earth scientists? Because that's what you're saying. <laughs> that's so ridiculous, bro. How could anyone think they're smarter than all the other scientists? You'd have to know all the other scientists. Then you'd have to know their intellect. I'm just saying they're either wrong or they're paid and bought out to tell you that the earth's a globe. They are either maliciously lying or and being deceptive or they're ignorant to the fact that the earth is flat and they're telling like school teachers, for example, they're not all paid by NASA. They don't all know the earth. Gotta flat. go to the next one. Go ahead. Tim Pryor strikes again. He says, laughing my ass off. You think NASA created all the technology? That's dumb. I said Tang and Velcro. I don't know about all the technology. What are you? What the hell are you talking about, dude? <laughs> Did NASA really in, invent Tang? Uh, allegedly, ten. They had a top ten of their inventions, uh, like the Jaws of Life. Jaron, shout out to Jaronism. He went over them, and um, the first six of them. I don't know how far he went, but uh, had already been invented. So they just, I guess, improve on things and use our money, and then sell the patent. You guys really have it in for NASA. Okay, this Gorzilla37 says, During this entire debate, Brian has remained as stationary as the flat earth itself, cold as stone, as if he's a statue. Brian, is it true you haven't moved a lot during this debate? Man, I'm uh, flat. I'm just sitting stationary like the earth, man. Juicy to say the least. This one coming in from, let's see, I think we might be out of questions. Let me just check really quick. Witsit strikes again. He says, We'll give you a chance since you have to leave soon, Rohith. They say, Globe was engineered using an azimuthal grid of perspective. 
does pointing to that coordinate system and saying it matches that globe prove the globe? No, it's just a coordinate system that we use to describe the positions of things. You got it. It doesn't prove anything. The fact that the actual measurements match the observations. Oh, sorry, the other predictions match the observations. This one coming in from the grid itself. Theros Rex says, I'll give you evidence in a debate. When do you want to do it, Nathan? I'm good. Nathan scoffs at your request, Theros. But I'll see if I can like see if we can get it to happen. Jason S says, Brian, I'm a professor, land a professional land surveyor. I have to call you out. You can't detect Earth curvature with an automatic level that has only 400 feet of range. Well, I'd say he's not a surveyor because even geodetic surveyors, the president of the society said that it's done like it's always been, that they can't go no more than about 100 meters per shot. And anything accurate is done up close in, in increments, okay? And they told me I was changing angles and shooting my way around the ball, which makes no sense. If you, anybody using a level lays out a horizontal frame of reference, the ground underneath does not matter. We measure the ground underneath in reference to the horizontal line that our instruments provide. So that guy is not a surveyor. Flanker 420 says, we can create F-22 stealth fighters, aircraft carriers, nuclear missiles, but we can't get into space? Yeah, space is fake. And Tim Pryor says, so predictable. When flat earthers can't answer questions, they just say you're triggered. Dude, we laugh at you, get over it, even told this a billion times also. He's triggered. Is that the same guy that said he was done like six super chats ago, Brian? Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> I love hey, Brian. Brian is the wingman. Yeah, man. <laughs> this one from Troll says, Mike Hughes, rest in peace, built his own rocket to prove his hypothesis. What have any of the flurfs done to actually prove theirs? He wasn't trying to prove his hypothesis, okay? I mean, building a rocket and going 2,000 feet in the air is not a scientific experiment. What, what are you talking about, dude? How this sad. And last of all, John Rapp. Thanks for your patience, John. Says, question for both. Please explain how two people, thousands of kilometers apart, will simultaneously see the same face, shape, size, and phase of the moon. Impossible if circling over a flat earth. Austin said it the best. It's the azimuthal grid of perspective. Basically, we see a dome. The cloud... When you walk outside, we know the Earth ain't a mini sphere, but we see the clouds drop in the distance, appear to dome down. It's it's just perspective, and um, yeah, I mean, he said it best, really. Again, you're you're sort of hinting that this azimuth or the Altair's grid does something, like it's a concrete thing that does something. It's it's a coordinate system. It would be a reification fallacy if you think it does something. All it is is a coordinate system around you. That's it. It doesn't do anything. We see in a dome, though. We have a, a sure. dome around, right? Yeah. We, we, we can, we can have a coordinate system. 
or perspective? Do they drop the clouds? How they look look like when you walk outside? It looks like a little dome around you. Is that due to perspective or earth curve? The clouds I, I drop. Don't think that's the, a... Do the clouds drop to the horizon due to perspective or earth curve? Both. <laughs> this one coming in from. Do appreciate your question. Tim Pryor says, laughing my ass off, there is no flat earth scientist. Now you're just lying, Nathan. Where's the globe earth scientist? Where are the globe earth scientists? Wait, there's no flat earth scientist, but I thought Bob Nodell proved earth rotation. Like, what are you guys talking about, dude? <laughs> and I thought science doesn't prove anything. So, like, what? <laughs> this one from Earth First Space Later. Thanks for your generous super chat. We appreciate it says over 52 selenium eclipses debunk heliocentricity even though just one would called the impossible eclipse all right i'll answer that one because it's my last one there to go um every eclipse every lunar eclipse there will be some place on earth that you will be able to witness a selenium right I'm sure that you understand the, the globe answer, right? It is, is the refraction lifts up both the moon and the sun half a degree. So you can see an eclipse moon while the sun is just above the horizon. So it lifts, uh, up, the that, so it lifts up the sun for us to see the light, but the moon's yeah. face can't see that light. That I want to give Ruhif a last yeah, word yeah. before he leaves. And then, so on this topic, and then we got to go to the next question. Go ahead, Ruhif, and then we'll let you go. Oh, that, that was it. Um, I'm off to go go-karting. So, yeah, Ruhif, uh, thanks, real James. quick. Thank Ruhi, you, Ruhi. Have a good time. Nathan, I do want to let him go. He does have plans. Wait, he does want wait, to get out of his go-karting. Yeah, how do you predict refraction months or years in advance to predict the eclipses? Oh, wow. So Brian has seen my graphs of the refraction data. Basically, once you get a decent height above the surface, you know, about 100 meters, refraction is quite predictable. And that's where we get 7 over 6R from, from measurable measurements of the density gradient. That's where it comes from. But don't we observe the eclipse from the surface of Earth, not in the middle of the yep. air? And still, okay. typically, it's 7 over 6R. But if you're close to the Earth, Earth, it can vary. So we can see the sun, but the moon can't. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, with that, thank you very much, James. Thank you, Rui. Take care. Good to meet you. I'm going to reassert, you could say reorganize the screen. But in the meantime, let me get this question in. This one comes in from Wits It Gets It. We'll send this over to you, Bacon. They say, Globe was engineered using... Is this... I didn't read this one already. No, that's actually an old one. Pardon me. Let me load up the screen and read this new one. want to remind you, our guests are linked in the description. This one coming in from Theros Rex says, Aw, what's wrong, Nathan? Scared? Afraid to go up against a geo degree? Yeah, I, I'm terrified, dude. I don't, I don't want anything to do with you. This one coming in from, do appreciate it? Troll says, laughing my ass off, that's no answer. What have you done? Mike was going up to take pictures. I did astroarchaeology. I did observations at the Atlantic Ocean, the Pacific Ocean, Lake Michigan, Lake Pontchartrain. I've done over 100 star trail videos. Uh, I tested moonlight. It's cold. I verified stars don't intersect the marine horizon. I mean, what have you done, dude, besides make super chats crying about me? <laughs> Put a pressure gradient inside containment. I showed that lighting the gas doesn't give any extra propulsion. I mean, we've done a bunch. You should check out our channels and uh, just years worth of observations and demonstrations. Demonstrations are king. Globers are allergic to demonstrations. 
They like explanation and words. We like demonstration. Did you say explanation and words? Basically. You got it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. This one coming in from, do appreciate it. Tim Pryor says, you have to face it, Austin. Do you mean you mean Austin? Are you talking to Austin in the live chat or Nathan on accident calling him Austin because they're twin brothers? They say, ask globe believers that you think are so dumb, control the world, and you can't deny it. We don't actually think globe believers run the world. They're lying to you. They don't actually believe Ursa Globe. They know it's not. And they fake it. They reverse engineered all the observations using the flat earth, just like Austin was commenting about a minute ago. So you got it. This one coming in from do appreciate your question. Run Boston Bear. So we only have two more, three more questions. They say, thank you, Modern Day Debate, for hosting this debate. Thanks for your kind words. We appreciate that. They say, it's fascinating how much truth is coming out. Y'all go to Wits It Gets It on YouTube if you want more guidance. Right on. Right on. Matt B says, why does it benefit to claim a globe if it's actually flat? What's the purpose for people trying to pull off this lie? It's uh, an archaic model. An archaic model. Uh, times are changing. Get with the times. We're progressing. We're figuring out the, the universe You know, is above us. It's electrical. Everything's electrical. We're learning more. We're progressing with the time. Yeah, and we're not here to divine the elite's motives for lying to you about the shape of the earth. I'm not Miss Cleo. I don't have a crystal ball. I don't talk to them on the phone or anything. They don't tell me why they steal $60 million a day and tell you Ursa Globe when it's observably not. This one from Wits It Gets It. He strikes again. He says, Azimuthal. Am I saying that right? Have I been saying it wrong this whole time? Azimuthal. Azimuthal, very embarrassing. This one, they say, Azimuthal Grid explains all celestial observations on a plane. The light does not have to bend physically. It's an optical effect. Thanks, Walter. Now they say, so I'll give you a chance to respond to this bacon. Right. Okay, so he's mentioning Walter business model. That we, it was already mentioned in this debate, where the... Uh, Elevation and azimuth, those two coordinates of the azimuth of grid of vision, as they call, uh, do not match where the celestial bodies would be. So that would require light not to travel straight lines. Otherwise, you should see objects where they are. If you're seeing somewhere else, a light can be traveling straight lines. It's as simple as that. This one coming in from, let me see if we have any that have come in. This one from Extra J says, Nathan, you can make a rainbow inside. You can't even get that right. Say, Brian, yes, the surface is level after X miles on a globe. Keep working at it. Not eight inches per mile squared. Not if it drops down eight inches, then you'll have eight inches of slope, rise over run. And you need a reflector to make a rainbow indoors. Need a mirror or a reflective ceiling, reflective floor. Try again, dude. This one from Tim Pryor says, we all know flat earthers don't do experiments anymore. And the only pictures that Nathan takes are of Brian. Hmm? I made that part up. They say, oh, sorry. All right, come on. They say, it's because you, it's okay. They say, it's because you keep proving the globe. Thanks, Bob. Interesting, Jaronism. 
Okay, the debater just said science doesn't prove anything. He needs to talk with the chat because the chat still thinks that experiments prove things. How sad is that? Dude? <laughs> this one coming in from the Cooper Inquarter says, how did it feel to get trolled? Hashtag duck suit. Uh, yeah, they flew me out to L.A., put me in a nice hotel, paid me for my time and trolled me, lied to my face because, as we've clearly seen, Globers are obsessed with lies said they were from harvard they weren't they were youtube pranksters and uh they did what they do nasa globers like lies and deceiving people so that's what they did so you know what it's whatever bro i got paid for my time i spent a few days away from my dog big deal this one coming in from do appreciate it jason s says brian geodetic surveyors use high precision electronic levels not the low precision automatic level you're using and they don't believe earth is flat the high precision electronic leveling that we use nowadays is shot off of local towers okay we have and they which are called satellites ironically we call all these local stations where we get the centimeter millimeter measurement satellite when they're on stations on top of building there's this guy uh, try again this guy's just showing his ignorance on, on the whole subject at least he used a believe word Right? Like a true globe head. It's not that land surveyors know the Earth's a globe. They believe it's a globe. So good job on the cult rhetoric there, bud. Tim Pryor says that's pathetic. Bob isn't a scientist, but he proved Earth's rotation with a gyroscope. Your desperation is showing. Bob is ace, man. Bob Nadell is ace. He proved with his release of the data. He did it live for all to see the ballers and all that. And they didn't like it because at the same latitude, higher in elevation, the earth curve changed, the earth turned. So explain that on a ball. So yeah. thank you. This one coming in from, do appreciate it. Let me just plug my computer in really quick or I'm going to lose it. Theros Rex says, got him, Nathan. You whine more than my teen sister. Uh, technically, isn't he whining about me right now? Balthazar228 says, Why is it that those who utilize a globe model are able to not only compute their results with math, but derive them while those who believe in flat Earth must use approximations and calculators? You have to be more specific, but again, with 90 degree angles, man. Flat baselines with 90 degree angles. No getting around it. I'll grant that both sides need to do some approximations. This one coming in from, do we get to John Rapp's question? They asked, question for both. Please explain how two, we got that one actually. That was about the face of the moon. Then, let me see. I think that's actually it for questions. So we have one last one came in. Wits it gets it. Says, Bacon, I just explained that light does not physically bend. It's just an optical effect. Do you agree that if that is the case, it works? Thanks, Walter. Right. I don't see how it's, it's possible for me to see something in a different direction without light bending. This optical effect will have to make light come from this direction. Actually, hit me at this direction without changing the path. This is just geometrically nonsensical. I don't understand what that means. Well, the example, let me back oh, him up. Can I, can I just say one more thing? Yes, sir. Go ahead. I, I, I have to leave in a couple of minutes. If that's okay. You got it. All right. 
Uh, let me back up, Austin, because he sent so many super chats. Um, he, he exampled anticorpuscular rays, which represent a 360-degree field of view. So if we have the rays coming at us that are supposedly parallel and they're spreading out in all directions, and then they get over our head and go 180 degrees directly behind us to a point, then that rep that point represents a 360 degree field of view. So it's not the light bending, it's the perspective. And shout out to Austin, man. This one coming but, but in no from- no direction. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I wanna give you a chance to respond. What have you got? All right, I would say uh, none of that requires a light to be changing direction in which it hits the observer. You have that on renders. Renders treat light as drawing straight lines and you get the same corpuscular rays once you model that on something like Blender and render it, you get the same thing. There's no need for light to see coming in a different direction than it actually is. So it works on both models. This one coming in from Theros Rex says, how do you know I'm a he? Gas flurfs are sexist. I think Whoop. you misgendered them. Jason S says, Brian, electronic digital levels use barcode readings on a rod. There are absolutely no towers involved. You are a complete fraud. Please I said stop. The millimeter, the millimeter accurate. Now he's bringing it back in, reeling it into close local measurement when he's talking about these millimeter accurate auto. You know, this guy has just got it out for me, I guess, personally. But anybody, not just me, anybody can take and do increments at a time and measure level water, level as in straight. Level as in flat. Anybody can do it. I'm I'm not special. Been done over and over. Tell surveyors uh, do planar surveying. Brian, didn't you say the towers were only used for the long distance ones? Yeah, and the millimeter accuracy. Yeah, for yeah. construction. That's the new the new method. But there there are um like he 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 pretty much explained the uh the total stations and the um laser laser levels with the rods, and uh, we use them all. But as far as the millimeter accuracy, I mean. Me, I depend on my own shot, man. There doesn't get much better than that. That way I know if I'm going to get paid or not. I know if I'm doing it right or wrong. I know because I'm the one who checked it. So that's how I do it personally. It's worked for over 30 years. So, If I can do one last one, since this is a rare one for the globe side, for you, Bacon, and, and I want to let you go. I know you got to go, but they, I do want to give you a chance to answer this. They said, as it says, AZ Grid uses a globe projection with wrong land shape and needs hyperbolic geometry in the sky but not earth stop trying to make trying to make thanks walter happen is that for you bacon or is it for the for i'm uh, not sure if you understood the question yeah. it was uh it's basically if i'm not mistaken you know they're they're talking about measurements that they're double checking and checking up a against the globe model so they're trying to use the model to prove the model which is a, a common fallacy juicy we're going to let bacon uh, to that. go ahead right so the you, you can get your coordinates from a couple of readings as i demonstrated before and if you try to do the same process with other stars at different direction at different elevations you get that consistent reading that's what changes if you change the shape of the earth you don't get the same you get inconsistent values that, that wouldn't be useful for navigation if that was the case. That's why I was uh, uh, showing that you can treat Earth as a sphere and with very little assumptions. You can not just figure out where you are, but you can get directions like that. And uh, and that's it. Or the light curve. Maybe the ground ain't 
curving. Maybe the light or our perspective is curving. Okay, you can't say that you're. Yeah, there's the certainly ground. some. That there might be some like the Hawk hypothesis that would allow all that from, to work on the flat Earth, but the fact is that hasn't been demonstrated uh, yet. And what's used now and what has been used for the past centuries is 3D Earth is a sphere. Not a lot of assumptions, more than that is required. Because you couldn't model it, don't mean it can't be modeled. The Swiss ephemeris has worked on a flat Earth perfect. But uh, to be continued, I wanna, right? I want to give Bacon a chance to take off. Thank you, Bacon, for being with us. It's been a true pleasure. We've got one last question for Nathan and Brian. So if you want to take off, no problem. I'm going to read that last question for them after you leave, so that way you don't have to stick around longer than what your plans allow. And but yeah, thank you, Bacon. My pleasure. Thank you. Have a good night. Good meeting you. This one from Tim Pryor says, Nathan, about 5% of the government's income goes to NASA. Seriously, research, dude. They can barely pay for over 2,000 employees. Okay, so because it's only 5% that they're stealing from us, then we shouldn't care about it. I mean, what are you talking about, dude? The truth is the truth. It's incontrovertible. I'm going to side with the truth no matter what. Love rejoices in the truth, does not rejoice in iniquity. Brian, is this true? Yeah, man, I mean, that 5% is a lot of money. I think we all got the wrong jobs if, uh, if they only have 2,000 employees for $60 million a year. But uh, I'm just $60 saying. million a day. A Brian, day. I don't want to put you on the spot, Brian. Uh, that was our last question that I had seen. I don't want to put you on the spot, but I have to say, anyone, well, before I get to this, Mouth Breather just asked the last question. They said, the earlier Super Chat was saying there are huge flaws in that, I know I said, azimuthal? Azimuthal. Gosh, azimuthal. They said, the earlier Super Chat was saying there are huge flaws in that azimuthal grid model that Witsit keeps bringing up that they ignore for convenience's sake. They say it doesn't match the globe model. That's what I'm saying. If they're checking it and referring it to the globe model and saying, hey, that doesn't work. And that's, that's what's in contention here is the globe model, right? So that's our whole point. It matches the observations we make. Now this one coming in from Actually, that was the last question I see. So it does have a globe model, though. That's the whole point. Uh, let me. Sorry, sorry about that. You're all right. In fact, it gives people an opportunity. I, it, this is honestly, when I say this, folks, you're going to be like, "Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. It's so true." Brian, I'm not putting you on the spot, but if you guys have seen the movie Dodgeball, you know the guy who the scene he's on the the good guy team. You could say, "Man, this movie's so old." can't believe how old it is but the point is this in the movie dodgeball okay there is a question gordzilla 37 says no this is the last super chat brian and nathan won predictably juicy you guys have got fans out there but i've got to tell you brian i want to say this if you guys out there have seen the movie dodgeball do you guys know where i'm going with this in the live chat i'm looking at the, the live chat you know the guy that's on the team of what's the main and the main protagonist's name in the movie? I can't remember which actor that was. He's tall and he's funny. Uh, uh, well, anyway, now not patches, but you know the the guy that's on the team with patches 
uh, I can't remember his name in the movie, but he wears the goggles and there's the scene where he gets mad and he just decimates <laughs> the entire team that he's opposing. Brian sounds just like him. If you go and you listen to Brian, like just listen to Brian in this debate and listen to, let me see. Hold on. Do you have to believe me? Uh, I'm going to watch it. I'll check it out, man. It's crazy how similar your voice is. Uh, get angry. Okay, so there's this scene where he's like, you got to get mad. You got to get mean. And I'm just trying to, I'm looking up his name right now. Let me, I'm going to pull up a clip of Dodgeball so you guys can hear this actor. If you guys have seen Dodgeball, the guy with the goggles and he gets mad at one point. You guys have, you've never seen this? Tim Pryor says, laughing my ass off, another lie. That did not happen. Bob did it three times and kept proving their Earth's rotation. Again, your desperation is showing Nathan. Einstein said no instrument here on Earth would be able to detect the Earth's rotation because of relativity. So either Bob debunked Einstein and, and you guys like love flat Earth scientists or, or, or what? I don't, I don't know. So... Did he debunk Einstein? Seriously? A flat earther debunked Einstein. <laughs> All right. That's you guys. That's what you guys are saying, dude. I think Anthony B says the stapler guy. He does sound a little bit like him, and I think that might actually be the same actor. But let me look this up. I'm telling you, you guys, seriously. It's you you're when you hear it, you're gonna be like, oh my gosh, like Brian, is, was that actually you in the movie? Vince Vaughn. So he's on Vince Vaughn's team. Thanks for that, Cherry, in the live chat. Anyway, I'll let you guys go. want to say thanks, everybody, for your questions. Thank you very much to all of our guests. Not only Nathan and Brian, we appreciate you guys, but we also appreciate Bacon and Ruhif, who had to take off. All of our guests are linked in the description. If you are like, hmm, I liked what I was hearing. I want to hear more, including, like I said, Brian or uh, Ruhif and Bacon, who had to leave. Their links are in the description. What are you waiting for? That includes at the podcast. And if you haven't yet, I'm telling you, folks, pull out your phone if you're not already on it. Pull up your favorite podcast app, find Modern Day Debate, and click follow. And if you're like, James, I've already followed you, could you do us a favor and rate us? We appreciate that as... Zero ads on the podcast, so if you don't like ads on YouTube, or maybe you don't like our intro music, hey, podcast has zero ads and zero intro music, so you can listen to it on the go, super convenient. We want to say thanks very much to our guests, Nathan and Brian, it's been a true pleasure to have you guys. Always a pleasure, James. Thank you very much. Thanks, James. Love you, bro. Good job. Yeah, I love it. Huge I love thanks. the intro, man. I wouldn't watch it. I'd rather watch it just to hear the intro song. It gets me pumped up. I love it, man. I appreciate that. And thanks to Bacon and Ruhi for had to leave. I'll be back in just a moment for a post-credit scene letting you know about this upcoming conference. Folks, for real, this conference is going to be huge. As I mentioned, at the bottom right of your screen, let me just pull this up. Currently it is showing, I know it's showing the podcast plug. However, Now it's showing at the bottom right of your screen. DebateCon 3.1 is coming up on Saturday, April 22nd. That's only about four weeks. That's coming fast, folks. So the link to watch all the debates live for just a buck is in the description box. 
You can watch the debates afterward when they're not live for free. We put them on the YouTube channel either way. So, hey, if you haven't yet, hit that subscribe button. But the other thing is, hey, make a day of it. Make it a fun event where you can watch the conference from at home for just 25 cents per debate. There's four debates and it's just a buck and that helps us cover the cost of the venue. That crowdfund link is in the description box. And last but not least, the link to the in-person tickets is also in the description box. If you're anywhere near Fort Worth, Texas, we want to see you there in person. It'd be a blast. So one last thanks to our guests. I'll be back to explain more about that upcoming conference. So stick around.